podcast. Joining this week is the good dinosaur. My name is Tom Chick, and I am here with Christian Whiskey. Uh, I'm the dream crusher. I protect you from unrealistic dreams. And with our good dinosaur tagline, Kelly Warren. It's like a Pixar movie, but for kids. Okay. Now, do you have backups, Kelly Wand, or is that is this just a one It's like Tammy and the T-Rex, except instead of Denise Richards, it's the kid from Road Warrior. Oh, I get that. One. Okay, good. Is there a is there a third backup tagline, Kelly Wand? Rain's worse for dinosaurs than meteors. <laughs> a little weather humor. Yeah, I didn't get that one. What did rain? Well, okay, we'll, we'll parse that. Kills the dad. That was what? Oh, oh, right, right, right. Yeah, I think the storm just provided a tagline. Right. They didn't have to worry about climate change. Because the storm but... provides. Right. The storm provides. Uh, tell you one, before we talk more about good dinosaurs, I want to get into this. There's a lot. There's a lot. Of, this, this is a meaty movie. Uh, uh, before yeah, we get into this, Kelly Wand, I would like, because I'm going to be conducting a contest later. So, Kelly Wan, do you have a contest that you could subject me and Dingus to right now? Yeah, there's a movie I read a synopsis of on IMDb, um, and you have to guess what movie it is. Oh, good, okay. And we just jump in when we know the answer. Yeah, I feel like this is a stupid... I mean, you guys just know too many movies. Mm, you've stumped us before, as long as you get sufficiently... And you, like, if you get Except a bad enough... I want to stump you. If you get a bad enough synopsis, it should it should obscure the movie where you can't tell what it is. All right. So you, I have, you think this is an easy one and we're going to get it. Um, you, well, that actually, that is the fun thing about the contest is one of you always gets it and the other person's never heard of the movie. <laughs> like you and Dingus have such different zones. If it's some stupid ass uh, horror movie, you'll have seen it. Right. If it's like a Julia Roberts movie. <laughs> so it's like a football game where the score is always like 51 to 7. Right, but I try to play to Dingus' zone sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so you have to guess which zone that I'm, whose zone I'm playing towards. Okay, good. It's a subcontest. Brilliant geneticist Diane Ladd. Uh, unfaithful. No, Obviously, not a geneticist. In that. Go on. That's the that's Diane Lane. But anyway, oh, uh, <laughs> I love that that happens. Plans to expose a lethal virus to every human being on the planet. Her objective? <laughs> I thought that was the objective, but anyway. I think this is in my zone, by the way. I'm just guessing so far. This no, this is, I think this is obviously. Oh my gosh, damn. Okay, go ahead. No, it's yours. Oh. Her objective to destroy humankind in favor of her new strain of prehistoric dinosaurs. No prehistoric ones. Yeah. You like that? I like yeah. that, too. I appreciate you know, it. I might be at a huge disadvantage here because I'm not sure I know who Diane Ladd is. I know who Cheryl is. She's Laura Laura Dern's mother. She put lipstick on her face and wild heart. Wild heart, yeah. I'm not not seeing a – yeah, I'm still picturing Diane Lane. Uh, What? Uh, Who else? She's Laura Dern's mother. Come on now. Yeah, I know, but I'm trying to – if she's been in something Tom's seen – Finish the synopsis and maybe something – She's been in plenty of 70s movies, and you guys are all gaga over those. Like what, Dingus? <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> I want Dingus to be right, because it was said with such ferocity, but I'm trying to think of that Itty Die a Lad movie. 
from the seventies, or even she's any movie from the seventies. She's Cheryl Ladd's aunt. That were Gaga for Dingus is it? Two people stand in the way of her diabolical plan: a cynical night watchman and a lovely idealistic environmentalist. <laughs> uh, that'll never work between them. He's cynical. She's lovely. The two must overcome their differences long enough to uncover the scientist's scheme and fight her carnivorous creations in a desperate battle against the extinct. In a desperate battle. Oh, I think I do know it. It's, a, it's one of the. Of, sorry, it's, it's one of the carnosaurs, isn't it? Good, Tom. So, which one? I'm, I'm just going to go with the first carnosaur. There have been, I think, three yeah. of them. Yeah. So, is it the original carnosaur? It's the original uh, vanilla carnosaur. Sweet. Okay, good. So, Dingus, I won. Sorry. Yeah, I, I've never seen I know you've seen those movies, though. I have, and I mentioned before, uh, there's a great tagline in the second one, which ties into the opening music, where I actually know the guy who plays the hero, and when he kills the main dinosaur, he drives a forklift into it, <laughs> and the tagline that he uses to kill the dinosaur is, eat this, Barney. Yeah, I remember you saying that. Yeah, that's great. Oh, that, oh, because it's a fork. That's a good line. That that's makes, good writing. Oh, right, right. Forklift. Right, right. Yeah. So, Kelly, one parts this one then. I just saw a movie in which James Remar fights a polar bear, uh, and this is not funny. This polar bears like polar bears are, are serious business, Dingus, because they don't hibernate. That's that's what this movie tells us. Uh, so, even though it's like the height of winter, and and everybody's like, "Hey, there's no bears. You're safe." They point out, uh, polar bears don't hibernate. This is also no normal polar bear. It's uh, escaped from a lab, and it's been genetically modified. Um, so it's killing all these people. Uh, and finally, James Remar, uh, he mounts an ice drill on the front uh. of a, of a snow, uh, snowmobile. Uh, and, you know, an ice drill is like a big old huge auger for construction work. Like, And you, you, you screw it into the ice uh, to make a hole for ice fishing. And even the the tip, the tip of it, it's not like sharp. It's got this sort of flat disc that you screw into the ice on the tip of it. So he sticks this on the nose. It's of like a Jaws: The Revenge. Uh, Jaws: The Revenge, though, isn't the prow of the ship kind of pointy? It's not that pointy. Isn't it's it more like wood. Total Recall when what's it, when he goes screw you? Oh, well, no, good, good thing. So you you have the right idea. But when it. James Remar, right before he drives this snowmobile with the ice auger into the polar bear genetically modified polar bear he says right. here's this tagline he says add this to your dna ah uh, that's a good one too and then he drives the ice auger in wait i like that one all right well i'm sorry i've ruined i like the other one for too. you i, I apologize I like and the... but the I'm funny thing is jaws the revenge she just goes take that smile you son of a bitch she just steals brody's line but like those prows are always breaking off in other movies, like a storm breaks them off. So it's like they're famous for getting broken off of ships, just like phoenixes are never, they're only, all they do is die so they can come back. Like when they're alive, they don't do anything. Well, that's how, uh, that's how they kill Cthulhu in, um, shoot, which, not Cthulhu. Oh yeah, it might be the eponymous story, yeah. <laughs> they, they drive they a kill. ship into him. Yeah, then he reforms. Well, yeah, I mean, it just slows him down. You can't stop him, right? It's a good idea, but it doesn't work. Dingus, speaking of giant things and defeating them, that's all I got. Uh, what movie did we see this week? <laughs> um, this week we saw The Good Dinosaur, a 2015 uh, computer animated adventure comedy drama movie about an unfortunate near miss. It was directed halfway by Bob Peterson and halfway by Peter Sohn. 
the two of them wrote it with Eric Benson, Meg LaFave, Kelsey Mann, with screenplay credit going to Meg LaFave. Yeah, that's a lot of people. Yeah, it's plenty of people. They get story credit, story credit, story credit, story credit. Uh, It stars Jeffrey Wright, Francis McDormand, and Raymond Ochoa. The Good Dinosaur is rated PG for peril, action. (laughs) (laughs) That is the name of my joke one. And thematic thematic elements. No, wait, not for drug Uh, use? Nope. Oh, man. when they stole from the bear, they they just they had to credit that to the bear. That doesn't go. It's into not that. a drug. It's a leech. <laughs> Good point, Kelly. Wind. <laughs> I was going to add uh, for the MPA's benefit: uh, Neolithic Revolution, stick burying, some dinosaur language, and getting stoned off dead leeches. Uh, it's the rotting fruit, actually. That it's the rotting fruit. It's, yeah. it's ferment fermentation. Oh. Yeah. Oh, what about uh, what about leech horror? Yeah, that's uh, that again. You have to credit that to Stand by Me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. But but that should be in an MPAA rating. Like leech horror is a thing. It should. Yeah. But only if it's My- uh, only if it's attached to genitals. That's one of their requirements. Oh, I see. Well, for all we know, it was on that dinosaur's genital. You know, My we- grandpa was a leech horror during World War One. <laughs> Who was he attached to? Germans. Uh, the Good Dinosaur on Metacritic, and this is the, the average re- rating from various reviews, The Good Dinosaur is at 66 on Metacritic. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, this is the percentage of reviews that are positive, 76% of all reviews approve of The Good Dinosaur. Three sixes out of four. What does that mean, Kelly Wand? I don't know, but the near miss is obviously the devil's signature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> America kind of liked Good Dinosaur. They didn't like it as much as Hunger Games part whatever. It's not uh, a great dinosaur. Yeah, it's not a great dinosaur. It's just a merely good dinosaur. It opened at number two with $39 million, which is not is actually not that great for Pixar. Um, mm. I didn't know this movie was even in existence, though, although granted, I'm in... The, yeah, I don't think they were doing a lot of marketing to you, Kelly Wand. Yeah, yeah, I've seen a couple but, of reviews for it, and it, they totally turned my kid off, so it wasn't it wasn't something I wanted to see either. Next. I think they should have called it the, the perfectly cromulent dinosaur. Well, let's let's find out how good a dinosaur it is by having Kelly tell us the events of the movie so that we can decide on our own whether or not it is a good dinosaur. Kelly Wand, do you have for us the good dinosaur? <laughs> Wait, say what? What did you uh, say? Good, I don't know. Good dinosaurs. Uh, so that would be a synopsis of the good dinosaur. You might call a good dinopsis. Did it, did it get anywhere in the neighborhood of what it actually is called? Good dinosopsis? Oh, that works too. Okay. I, I cut off too many syllables. Fair enough. Here it's called uh, Arlo and Spot. <laughs> With an ampersand. Um, what would you have called the, the synopsis of that movie? Arlen Spopsis. Yeah, I could see that coming, Dingus. Yeah. That was I was going to hope. I was hoping for our lopsis. Uh, I guess line, he trumped you. Yeah. Uh, lopsis. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, but I guess the the term "good dinosaur" doesn't translate into German like well, Arlo and Spot. That combination. That means nothing. It's like Lilo and Stitch. Like you don't know who uh-huh. are Arlo, who are Spot. Like what? That says nothing about what kind of movie it is. I don't Germany, man. I don't understand. They don't have words for good and dinosaur in German. 
There's it's, no such thing. I'm, I'm guessing thing is that probably the word for dinosaur is something like like you know thirty syllables, like one of those oh. crazy long German words that would never fit on a marquee. Okay, or it's good like point. butthole, and they're like, "Hey, we can't have that." That's like Free Willy was in in England, <laughs> a laughing stock. <laughs> they called it bangers and mash. Like Willie and Bob. I don't know whatever the kid's name was. They called it that. <laughs> it probably was a Lilo and Stitch thing. Like, oh, it's Lilo and Stitch. We'll just change the edge parts of the title. Lilo. Oh, it is Lilo. Well, just shut up. I didn't see that movie. <gasps> Lilo and Stitch is really good, by the way. And you probably didn't see it because you didn't know what it's about. It should be called like the Hawaiian little girl and the alien. Like they should give it a more descriptive name because you really should see Lilo and Stitch. It's a, it's right. an awesome movie. Or Jobs. What? Huh. No, that's descriptive thing. Is Steve Jobs? You know, is it about is Steve Jobs. Yeah. Right. Good point. That's true. The good right. dinosopsis. Yes, Kelly Wan. Yeah. Enough goofing around. Let's get serious with the yeah good serious. Right. The good dinosopsis. This is based on the German dubbed version that I saw. <laughs> and, and we should point out, Kelly Wan, you don't speak German. I don't speak German, and I felt like in Last Witch Hunter, my opsis might have been a little confused about certain plot points because I had to base my assumptions on seeing it in German, a language I don't speak. But I think in Good Dinosaur, it was a lot easier to follow the plot. Well, afterwards, if you have any questions, Dingus and I saw it in English. We could address any specific points you might be wondering about. Uh, Okay. Well, yeah, like you explained... um, the Michael Caine uh, locust when he slaps the thing with the iPhone. Oh, right, right, from from Last Witch Hunter, yeah. So yeah, any any things like that, just give us the options, and then afterwards we can we can field some questions. We'll have a Q and A if, if necessary. That made more sense when you explained it. The good dinosopsis. I buy a ticket, sit down next to the nearest German six-year-old, and go. I always knew I'd wind up a middle-aged man watching Pixar movies alone in his raincoat in Germany, but I never suspected I'd be bragging about it on the internet afterwards. The mom scowls at me, but then out of courtesy, they move to another theater. That's the beginning of this. On the movie screen, for some reason, a meteor makes another meteor fly past Earth. An old Russian survivor of the Tunguska event stands up in the front row, pumps his fist, and goes, Nice! I'm getting some mic noise here, so watch out. Oh, sorry. My head was moving because I was excited about that joke. Um, The dinosaurs yawn. Some German words are all, Nothing happens for a million years, just like RL. The descendants of the bored dinosaurs now own a farm in Wyoming. They invent baskets on their backs to water seeds, although for some reason when they plow the earth, the dinosaurs use their faces instead of their tails. (laughs) That's weird. I find another six-year-old to sit next to and go, talk about furrowing your brow. Oh, God. Wow. (laughs) Get the yoke. (laughs) Wow. You should copyright that one. He sighs and moves away, but this time the mom stays. Mm. The dinosaurs find three eggs in their barn and wait for them to hatch. The first egg hatches a dinosaur devoid of characteristics. 
The second one hatches a crazed dinosaur who likes beating everything with sticks. The third one hatches a tiny dinosaur who's scared shitless of everything, although this might have something to do with his first waking memory being the egg he's in getting bludgeoned by his brother's stick. The youngest dinosaur's signature move is to run around screaming until he crashes into something. So they call him Arlo. The family generally uses him for slave labor and to give the chickens someone to beat on. To cap it off, they make a vertical tube of rock somehow and one by one smear their poo on it. When Arlo plaintively whimpers, Papa, Mama, Brother Number One, Stick Guy, can I smear my poop on this? I did do all the work. They all laugh at him, so he takes out on the chickens, who don't care. The mom dinosaurs all, Hey, Ramon, maybe we've been too hard on the kid. It's been like 60,000 years. He'll be a man soon. If we don't marry him off, he's going to be around all the time. The dead's all. Hmm. Suddenly a piece of flint appears over his head, and he snaps his hoof stubs. He's all, I got it. That night, the dad wakes Arlo up at 4 a.m. and goes, hey, check this shit out. They go to a place, and he shows them how to trample fireflies. <laughs> the dad's all, see? They glow when they're panicked. Plus, I woke them up and you. Just for this. Suck it, meteor. Arlo's all, my life has new meaning. I look over at Chaka sitting beside me and go. (laughs) (laughs) I go, Planet Avatar had a firefly infestation issue also. The next day, the dad's all, listen, Arlo, sorry we've been all saddling you with menial tasks and busy work all your life. So from now on, your job's to walk back and forth in front of the rock tube with the stick in your mouth and yell at insects. Ordinarily, your brother's our go-to guy, stick-wise, but we can't trust his ass near tubes. Good luck, and remember, if anything comes up, keep it to yourself. (laughs) Arlo's all, I got this, Papa! He slathers drool all over the stick in his mouth and trips over something. His dad's all Christ, and wanders off to have sex with the mom. I look suggestively over at the mom sitting beside me, but it looks like she's over me. I nod understandingly, wrap my arm around her, and go, Say Laguerre, baby. Say Laguerre. Arlo enthusiastically paces back and forth in front of the rock tube with a stick in his mouth and yells at the insects. They're not interested. Suddenly, a little old hobo woman gets caught in her own net a few feet away. Remember when that happened? She struggles vainly in the bonds, then zones out. Arlo's all, showtime. He trots over, starts to hand the woman his stick, then accidentally cuts the fiber open and runs away screaming and crying and tripping over stuff. The hobo turns out just to be a monkey. It moves into the rock tube, but nobody notices, because at first she's fairly discreet about it. One night, Arlo's dad's all, hey, there's some bad weather up on that mountaintop. We better go check it out and make sure it doesn't hurt anybody. Arlo, you come too. Since you cry a lot, maybe your tears will be effective against rain. They walk to a storm with a riverbed in it. Arlo's all, Hey, Dad, check out this cool trick. He trips over something and breaks his leg and starts crying. The dad's all, That's great, Arlo. Now I'm going to go to the other side of this riverbed to make sure it's raining over there also. Now whatever you do, don't say or do anything dumb to distract me while I'm crossing. He starts to walk into the riverbed. Arlo's all, got it. 
the dad turns around. What? Some water kills him. Eventually, the weather clears up. The family somehow gets the body down from the mountain without hands, and the dinosaurs invent burial. Arlo's all. Hmm, so that happened. Now, where was I? Oh, yeah. And picks up his stick again and resumes marching back and forth in front of the rock tube. It starts farting corn at him. He's all, what the? You, you caused the storm that killed the father who put the stick in my mouth. This time I'm going to plan my attack intelligently. He promptly topples, <laughs> topples into a stream. He promptly topples. It's like stomping and toppling. Topples. Yeah. <laughs> or, or when Tom pushes something over. Promptly topples into a stream. Nearly drowns, falls off a cliff, starts an avalanche, and gets his foot stuck under a rock. Luckily, the hobo bails him out by using footprints. Although Arlo's foot's not stuck anymore, he decides to make the avalanche his permanent residence. (laughs) He learns the hard way while watching lemurs jeer at him that wind blows stuff over. Gingerly, he invents a ladder and tries to stack a boulder on top of a house of cards. He's all, easy, easy. The house of cards explodes and Arlo falls. The lemurs all cackle with mirth. Arlo's all, shut the fuck up! I look over at Michael Crichton's skeleton sitting beside me in profile, like the Jurassic Park logo, and go, historically, Brontosauri did hate getting rained on. To celebrate his Pyrrhic victory over the lemurs, Arlo goes on a hunger strike. Luckily, five minutes into it, the hobo shows up with a giant bug from Venus. He's all, hey, check this shit. He pulls the bug's head off and holds it up. Arlo wrinkles his nose. Ew, I ain't eating that. The hobos all, eat it. Oh, you're hungry? Oh, hang on. (laughs) He goes and digs up Arlo's dad's carcass and brings it to him. Arlo's all, no. The hobos all, oh, picky eater. Uh." He snaps his fingers and Flint appears over his head. He leaves again, then he comes back with a hurricane. Arlo sighs. He's all, I'm not that hungry, actually. The hobo's all, hmm. He snaps his fingers, leaves again, then comes back with a meteor. Arlo's all, nope. The hobo snaps his fingers, leaves, and tries again unsuccessfully in separate trips with, in order, a poached egg, a snifter of tennis balls, Ray Bradbury, a platter of celery and Nutella, a sled, an orchestra, some parsnips, Raquel Welch, an apple with a pig in its mouth, an empty bowl, a map back to Arlo's farm, a tar pit, a Dianoga penis, the Magna Carta, a gift sticker for $4 off wings of chilies, Max Landis, roast lemurs, but they're still laughing, the boulder no longer pinning Arlo's foot. Louisiana license plate, Thor, a clone of Arlo, high school, a grenade, Edgar Rice Burroughs, the soundtrack to Fantasia, an explosion, Mars, and eventually a cliff with some berries growing on it midway down that Arlo reluctantly accepts. They get off the cliff somehow. Since the hobo's filthy, Arlo names him Spot. Even though Arlo's just eaten and Spot doesn't require food, they both gorge themselves on dead leeches. (laughs) that have been nibbling for hours on Arlo's buttocks that Arlo removed by inventing fire. This makes them both really stoned, then hung over. The ten-year-old on my left nudges me and goes, that takes me back. I'm all, you know what's interesting? When the first caveman got stoned and first saw the Great Gazoo, they probably thought he was a hallucination. Our conversation peters out. Arlo and Spot walk around for 20 minutes of screen time. Arlo shows him the firefly trick. 
Arlo's all, yeah, I tend to trip and fall and slide around on my face fairly frequently anyway, so it was kind of cool to be able to put that skill set to good use CG-wise. Spot hears the word CG and yawns. They play chess with sticks that ends in a stalemate, then take a nap together. You guys still there? (laughs) Yes. In the morning, Spot gets a little bashful when he goes behind a bush to masturbate while Arlo's watching him. His scrunched up little scowls all, don't make this weird. That came across in German. I lean over to the empty seat beside me and whisper, that takes me back. It turns up its nose and changes theaters. Screen time elapses. Eventually, Arlo and Spot meet a trio of vampires. They express interest (laughs) in adopting Spot. But Arlo isn't quite ready to give up his newfound pet just yet. A bunch of stuff involving Buffalo happens. They also meet John Goodman and two other rock men, the natural enemies of vampires. Arlo trips over something, looks at Spot eating some of the fireflies, and goes, Boy, what a crazy bunch of random, unrelated events. Glad that shits. The vampires show up, snatch Spot, and fly away with him. Arlo's all, ugh. The vampires carefully set Spot down in a log and try to teach him how to chew its bark, but Arlo shows up to raise objections. He uses the one form of attack that flying creatures have no answer for, the ground attack. This makes all the vampires float away. Arlo smiles at Spot and goes, now let's get back to wandering around. Suddenly the flood shows up again. Arlo saves Spot from it by interposing his body so that Spot gets slammed not only by the rapids, but by Arlo's thousand-pound body. They wash ashore, spit water out, and sleep again. A quartet of humans shows up, announcing their presence with coyote howls, while a nearby coyote watch is looking miffed. (laughs) Using body language, the humans are all, we wish to eat Spot, we are cannibals. Arlo's all, Spot, you should go with these cannibals. We had some good times, though. Spot's body language is all, wait, what? I want to stay with you and not be eaten. Arlo's all, it's not me. He nudges Spot towards the cannibals. The mom cannibal caresses Spot's face and goes, this one looks delicious. Eventually, they leave. Arlo sighs, then turns around and goes, oh, hey, look, my farm is right over the hill from us the whole time. The end. Banana. Terry Warren, are you sure that a Dianoga has a penis? It is a penis. Ah, okay, that makes sense. See? It's all penis. All the time. So I'm assuming like, no one was really into this and is going to go to bat for it. So so what I want to do is ask, uh, what is missing? And, you know, I'll put it this way. What sets this movie apart from other Pixar movies? Who wants no to- way, I liked it. Oh, okay. Well, they, they, they explain, Kelly Wan. What, what sets it apart? Or, or is, it, is, is it in line with other Pixar movies? Mm, I liked it more than Inside Out. Okay. How crazy is that? I think because I went in with really low expectations, and then, um, uh, I don't know, it kind of worked on me like as an animal drama. Like, I think I like animal friendship stories, like my dog Skip. Uh, and I got, uh, I was really invested in their fates. And I kind of liked the minimalist. Like, there wasn't the minimalism of it. Like, there wasn't much to the mythology, really. It was just about the characters, kind of. Um, and no one was in it except Arlo and Spot. I don't know. It's all right. <laughs> Dingus, did you, I'm did going you, up to bat too much for it. Dingus, did you believe a word of that? 
No. What? I, I don't believe it's possible. How could that possibly be possible that anyone would, would like this or even put it in the same paragraph as Inside Out? I, I think he's got to be trolling us. I think so, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical. Mm, no, this one's better. Really? Because it, it has the feel of a movie where the, Disney finally ran out of stuff that was in the pipeline and they had to make something themselves. No, it's like a Disney movie. That's the thing. Yeah, thank if you. you. <laughs> if it's your first Disney movie, it's good. Well, Dingus explained like it. So Dingus didn't explain what do you think. Uh, so, so it sound you're basically saying it sounds like they're scraping the bottom of the barrel. Uh, does no, that I, necessarily mean it can't be a good movie though? Like, what do you think prevents it from being a good movie that other Pixar movies have? I have a few ideas about this, and I'm just wondering, presenting it in that way, do you have any observations? Uh, for me, every time I thought it was going to be about something specific, um, and there were there were. Uh, at least three different things I thought the movie might be about at certain times, it turns out to be about nothing. None of those things. I, I don't know what this movie is, is, is endeavoring to say. Getting to, and, and I want you to answer this, Dingus, but getting to a lot of times when I watch movies like this that I know are supposedly aimed at, at, at kids and presumably adults as well, because since it's Pixar, uh, a lot of the times I wonder, and we talked about this in Inside Out, what is this teaching a kid? And there were, I think, maybe three or four messages, none of which the movie really seemed to focus on, but kind of horribled out every now and then. So I'd be curious, at some point, I would be curious what you think a kid would get out of this. Oh, good Lord. I I honestly don't know. I mean, and what I was looking for, and one of the things I love about Inside Out, it's interesting that Kelly brings that up, is that it works on multiple levels. And that's where I think Pixar's movies uh, this is the worst Pixar movie. I, I can't think of a worse Pixar movie. Um, I can't even. Th- I don't even think. Of, I can't even think of this as a Pixar movie. Uh, but one of the things that's great about most Pixar movies is they Cars? work on multiple levels. Um, Cars is not a Pixar. Oh yeah, it is. You're right. Uh, it's not worse than this. Maybe Cars two, uh, but I haven't seen that. Um, but it works on multiple levels. It works um, for kids and it works for adults and and not in. And it doesn't pander to either. It's not using. It's not a sidecar for either one of them. I mean, Inside Out. The brilliance of that for me is that I think it's an adult movie that kids can enjoy, as to po- as opposed to many animated movies that are animated movies for kids that an adult can enjoy. Um, this movie, I don't know what it's trying to say, um, and I don't know what a kid's going to get out of it. I, honestly, when once I got to the end, and I was, you know, I went to see it with my dad. Um, <laughs> we're just trying to figure out what in the world is this movie trying to say? Because early on, I thought there's maybe it's something about slavery that it starts out, but no. And then maybe it's something about immigration. Right. We might get into immigration. No. And there's something about modern education that, you know, that the old conservative thing about, well, nobody can compete and everybody gets a medal kind of a thing. Maybe that's where we're going to go. No. I have no idea what this movie is trying to say. Well, that's one of the things I, I really respect about Pixar is their – so uh, it, it's it always seems like I come out of a Pixar movie with this idea that oh the people who made this movie here is what they wanted to tell the children that see it uh, and I didn't and although maybe not with Cars I didn't get that but I didn't get any of that with this that's so. why I liked it because it's not preaching okay. thing it's just kind of about these people well that I mean I don't think a Pixar movie necessarily yeah. preaches but I kind of think you're you're right though Kelly Wan like if you don't want like a movie to 
Like if you I kind don't. of appreciate that a movie doesn't have to have a message or have a point for, it for a kid, this is definitely it's, in that category, I think. A message is a distraction, and that's why I didn't like Inside Out, was it was too preachy. And when I was a kid, I was always sort of suspicious and alert for that stuff, because it was always like a sign that the movie was weak. Like the movies that were good were like the Pippi Longstockings, well, where it was just like... Well, here's but, the question. Oh, go ahead, Dingus. Uh, never, never mind, go ahead. I was just going to say, it still has to say something, even if it's not teaching you a lesson. Uh, it, the, well, the movie has to have a point, and I don't think this movie has a point. Well, that's, I mean, yeah, so, like, I, I, I think that the, the people who make the movie should be saying something, and I don't think they know what they're saying. I do think kids will draw lessons from this. Uh, I would, I don't know what, but, but I think kids will definitely see this and think, oh, you know, I'm not supposed to be afraid, or, oh, people, right. should, people should stick with their own kind, or, uh, <laughs> or uh, oh, uh, I really have to work in order to get a medal, or like you mentioned that, Dingus. Uh, so I think kids will take step away from this, but I don't think the people making it had anything in mind, which Kelly thinks is, is an asset. I, I sort of feel as a liability, but I don't think they had – they weren't preaching. They had nothing to, to preach. They had right. nothing to say. Yeah. So, like Kelly, that. here's a couple of things then that I wonder – why these didn't bother you? Because um, Wally had a bad message, I thought. But go on. Uh, well, so it, the, of the things uh, that I really think sets this apart from other Pixar movies, two that come to mind for me um, are the pace of it and the look of it. And I had a serious problem, which I can we can get into more on both of those fronts. But was there nothing, Kelly, that bothered you about either the pacing or the overall look? Were you okay with um, those? The look, not so much, although I'm kind of an easy room on looks. Like, I don't really think about it. I just kind of care about the characters, really. Um, I thought it was maybe a derivative of, like, it did look sort of generic for a Pixar movie. Um, but then I thought, see, this is me again. This is the baseball movie thing, where uh, it was obviously in America, so it was kind of making me a little homesick. <laughs> Wait, the baseball... You, oh, because it was set office? in Wyoming or wherever, and you yeah, were so sure like, missing oh, our, our pipe yeah. thing. Yeah. All right. yeah. Oh, yeah, it's like Yellowstone or something. Right. Right. Um, but the pacing, uh, yeah, it seems like it jumps the shark um, when the vampires show up and they meet the T-Rexes, <laughs> and it, it gets really talky, and having seen this in German, like that's the part of the movie where I kind of got restless, and I go, well, maybe if I knew what they were saying, it'd be good. Ah. Seems like nothing happens during that stretch. Because I kind of maybe that's why I, I liked the movie more than I should have because it was like I was kind of understanding it more than I was expecting to because there was not much talking in it. It was just mostly well. That's kind of the inverse of my observation about the pacing, and I thought it took way too long to get underway. Um, there was way too much of that early home stuff where. Again, this is where it should be setting the tone for what it's going to tell kids or what, it, or, or even what point it has. Even an adult movie should do that. Uh, I just felt like all of that – you don't meet that that triceratops or whatever it is with all the mammals and the birds and its horns, which I think is the first moment. I was like, oh, this is really cool. Oh, yeah, that like guy. That. Uh, you don't meet that guy. And this is when I was so bored of the movie at that point. I actually opened up – I was pretty much the only one in the theater, so it didn't bother anyone. I opened up my iPad to see, okay, how long did it take us to get to this point? That was at 36 minutes into the movie wow. that that guy appears. That guy should have been there in the first 15 minutes. Uh, Wait, why? And how many times has Arlo fallen into a river by this point? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the movie has so yeah. many, hey, it's funny. He fell over. Like pratfall humor. Uh, and it takes so long establishing – really facile character traits. Like, hey, he's a coward. 
you know, we don't need all that running around with the chickens and stuff. And the brother-sister interaction, that goes nowhere. That doesn't establish anything. What the uh, fuck's the point of the chickens? I mean, why I know. are they I mean, it, chickens? It's, they it's, don't it's, eat eggs. They're a patasaurus. What? Why do they have chickens? Oh, you can't eat eggs <laughs> if you're not a carnivore? Oh, I guess you're not. Uh, well, yeah. They're, they're not eating eggs. They're a patasaurus. They, 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 milk, they milk the chickens. <laughs> How about me, Tom? I have nipples. Can you milk me? Chickens don't have nipples. Wait, do chicken, do I didn't get why nipples? he was making shelter. Chickens, have chickens don't have nipples. Actually, I've eaten chicken breasts. There are no nipples on them, so I can't milk a chicken. Ew. How'd this happen? <laughs> but, anyway, this my, my point is, Kelly, well, like this, this movie, I think, is trying to be a journey movie. You know, it should yeah. be very picaresque, and we should have a cast of, of interesting characters. And, and so those that's... occur kind of later in the movie, but the movie should not take 36 minutes to get there. It should, within 15 minutes... Show us that crazy triceratops with the birds. We should get to the the T Rex cowboys. We should get to that that whack a mole sequence with the gerbils. It makes a gerbil rain. Like that should happen earlier on. Uh, the the scary pterodactyls. All that stuff should happen earlier and faster. Instead, it gets pushed to like the second. Just like the the. the the last third almost like especially since his family's entirely inconsequential and i don't know what the hell story he told them when he got back home that makes him get to put his paw print up there i mean here's what happened i got dad killed and then i walked back home (laughs) right pretty much and i didn't even bring i didn't i guess yeah he didn't even find the home for the little uh the little human kid yeah like he did he didn't engineer that he cock blocked it I guess he finally does push a bit, but but again, he, yeah, he didn't. He kind of didn't accomplish anything, did he? Yeah. No. no. Just got back home. Oh, you know, he got brave. Wait, Spot wait, did everything. Brave? Yeah, he got brave and saved him from the log. I guess that was the point. I mean, he he, was... he steers the uh, beefaloes away from that one rock. That's about all. He does the one thing that Sam Elliott tells him to do. Oh, steer, oh right, right. Steer the beefaloes so that they don't split off from the herd. Right. That's about it. Uh, he doesn't do anything but you know, get his dad killed, roll down a river, and then walk back home. Does uh, does Bambi get good. his? Is Bambi a girl or a boy? By the way, Bambi's boy. a boy. Does Bambi get his mom? Why do we killed? have to be binary? Although it's a girl, girls name themselves Bambi, and it's a boy. It is a girl's name, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a stripper yeah. name. Uh, yeah. But does Bambi is Bambi at all instrumental in his mom getting killed, or that just happens? No, she's no, isn't she killed by hunters? Yeah. Okay. Wait, it's his dad. Uh, Dumbo's mom dies. Oh, uh, I confused the animal. Bambi, that's right. Bambi did get Dumbo's mom killed. <laughs> but you're right. It is kind of his <laughs> fault that, that the dad dinosaur dies, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, by the way, here's another thing. Um, is it? They completely undercut. So the dad dinosaur gets swept away by the flood. He dies. Obviously, he drowns. So you can't get swept away by a flood and live. Oh, wait. You can. <laughs> like at the end, the same thing that kills his dad he gets swept up in, and he's fine. You know, yep. we introduce, here's a lethal thing. This thing will kill you. It will kill you if you're a major character. Nope. For whatever reason, the, the very rule they introduce that, that does the only kind of effective emotional thing in the movie, it's not even effective, that does the only decisive thing in the movie, even that loses its ability. It's, no, those you know rules what? go right out the window. I it's disagree. Kind of like, yeah, explain that. Why did he die getting caught up in the same kind of flood that killed his dad? Well, that's not what's going on. What's going on is he knows it's deadly, and he's going to throw his life away anyway because he's he refuses to like lose someone and live with it. So he's basically killing himself. <laughs> so that's what his, his dad is, is saving him. He, he pushes him up the cliff, and that's why his dad gets killed. Right. 
Wait, what's that? But, 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 uh, Dingus Kelly Wand is basically saying that it's a suicide. That he's basically oh, yeah. committing suicide out of despair. That no, but it's also a good. <laughs> no, but wait. I like your interpretation. I wish I'd seen it. It's a friendship. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, remember when uh, in Speed One, where Keanu Reeves. I already like where this is on... going. I have no idea what you're yeah, going to be on. Awesome. I'm on board with this. Okay, at the end of Speed, right. it's. Which I think is a great movie. At the end of Speed, uh, Dennis Hopper's kidnapped Sandra Bullock because he's mad at Keanu Reeves for uh, blowing up his bus at the wrong time. Huh. Um, so Sandra Bullock's on a runaway train, and so Keanu Reeves uh, defeats Dennis Hopper by saying he's taller. And then he goes in, and then they can't get Sandra Bullock's handcuffs off. So Keanu Reeves just stays on the train with her. Like as because he he thinks they're both gonna die, but he's gonna stay with her anyway. Because it's like, well, we've had a crazy day. Let's go all in. So, but he doesn't think they're gonna live. When so does anything I, different ever happen, Kyle? When somebody is wounded and says, "Go on without me," no one ever goes on without them. You always stay with the person who's gonna die in the movie. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, so the good dinosaur not, does that too. Not true. Right. Of, uh, well, never mind. Bone tomahawk. Exactly. I was gonna say that, but then I thought I would. Pull back since we're not doing. Well, why then? Okay. Well, I, I mean, yeah. So fair enough. I mean, Kelly, one, I, I, I'm glad you could find things to appreciate out of this because I, at that point, was like, wait yeah, a minute. Me too. I'm you so guys happy are about this, that. Yeah, this movie is totally cheating. I already didn't like it. Now I don't. I like Spot. I liked Spot's animation. I liked his character. And I Arlo, he's kind of an, an, an annoyance. He's kind of Jar Jar Binksy, but um, <laughs> you know, we've all been there. Did you? Can I? I want to ask you this. It's a good movie for the littlest, for the youngest born of a family. Like, oh, see, I get a movie too about my dumbness. Did you have any emotional response to um, to uh, Arlo sending Spot off with the Lorax people? Yeah, it was a bummer. <laughs> I was devastated. I didn't understand why they couldn't all just hang out together, though. Like, I do think he is trolling us, Dingus. Okay, because oh. there, there's that first moment where. Where uh, Mowgli, um, I mean, uh, Spot wants to go away, and uh, and I've seen that in a couple other movies, and it kind of reminded me a little, I guess of uh, I don't know what it reminds me of. There's there's this you know thing of you know, my dad tried to bring up E.T. Like you, know, you go you go be with your own, you're, it's okay, you can leave us, um, but it's not that's not what I'm thinking of. Uh, and there's that, but there's he that, lives far away. There's that fake moment where he's going to go in, and the real moment where, okay, you go be with your own, and that'll be fine. And I know it should have been pulling on my heartstrings, but I could not care less. Well, yeah, it hadn't earned that moment at all. Yeah, at least it, did, it didn't earn it at all. Yeah. And so I was curious, with as for with regard to Kelly, if if there was an emotional connection for you there. Yeah, it totally made me. All right, I was super bummed, actually. But I still was like, wait, why can't they just? They don't live that far from each other. If Arlo's home, the next shot it just seems like I don't know. Like the whole they're family could have come and shared like the home yeah, with. They're on the same food chain. If anything, Spot's family. But I don't know the Spot. They, those guys were portrayed as being sort of vegetarians too, aren't they? Because they make coyote hounds. Kelly, one clearly dinosaurs and people can't get along. That's the point of this movie. We'll never know. End. In no, the end, it's true. We, we won't know because That's, because because a piece of Saturn knocked another piece of Saturn off of it. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, that That's can't. Funny. That's not. That's not where meteors come from, is it? Like a piece of Saturn's rings just fall out. Is that is that how that works, Dingus? Do you well, know? Well, also wasn't. It was nudged by another one. Right, right. That's what it means. Like, you don't just fuck nudge. you, fuck you, Earth. Right. Like that. Not, <laughs> oh, it was like Saturn being actually angry at us. Okay. But then it misses. So was that the god? 
media are going, all right, I'm going to send it early this time so that the kids get the movie. At that point, by the way, I was like, okay, that's cute. This is funny. Let's see what you got for me, movie. I kind of like that. Yeah, yeah me too. Bro. Me too. I thought that I, – I mean, I was really wide open at that point. In fact, in your opposite, I thought there would be more Armageddon humor. Um, but at that mm. moment where it was like 65 million years – and then a few million years Actually, later, I was kind of excited about that. I was excited too, and I go, "Oh, dinosaurs are going to evolve to our level of civilization, or something." Right. It's kind of like this dinosaur, like far future culture. So they can all talk, and then humans are are now coming along a little bit later, and they're they're still running around sniffing things. Yeah. I mean, I kind of like the idea of the alternate timeline, sort of like. I don't know, like the Glorious Bastards or something. Um, I, I like that. I, I was going along with the movie at that point, and I was not excited about seeing this. But, I mean, anytime I sit down in a movie, regardless of what my expectations are, I'll give any movie a chance um, to, to wow me. I, I'm, you know, I'm a blank slate once the movie starts rolling. Um, and when when that thing missed the asteroid meteor or whatever missed the Earth, I was like, all right, yeah, let's see where you go with this. Let's go. Uh, but just, you know, didn't go anywhere. Why are you? Why are yeah? May as well just happen lighting in fires and you know, uh, yeah. one of the cool moments was when the um, uh, pteranodons or whatever those uh, those vampires, as you could call them, were uh, saved that little creature and then ate him. Um, I was like, oh, good. This isn't one of those movies where the carnivores and the herbivores just for some okay, reason get along. Um, but then the Tyrannosaurs, for whatever reason, decide not to eat the apatosaur and the baby. They're just you like, know, hey, yep. I actually kind of like that dingus because I, early on in the movie, I was thinking, okay, where are the carnosaurs? Obviously, we're going to have a T Rex come in and, and be like a decisive moment. It's probably the right. boss fight at the end or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was, so I was the whole time. I was like, okay, we're going to introduce carnosaurs to the food chain. This will be a dramatic moment. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. When the carnosaurs show up, I think the idea, and there were a couple of touches like this that I kind of liked. I think the idea is that they're such an advanced civilization, they don't have to eat each other. They've got domesticated animals. So they've okay. long since lost this instinct as being hunters, and they've become literal cowboys. Uh, and I was like, okay, that's kind of a – like in a better movie, that's kind of a good joke. It's like kind of a good riff. Um, right, and there's that that cute line about if you're pulling my leg, I'll eat yours. Um, so I, I guess there is – quit spoiling my is it good writing or bad writing quiz. Sorry about that. Uh, before we get to that quiz, and then I won't forget the over-unders this week, so I'm curious what you guys think. Uh, I want to bring up something else that I had a problem with, um, and, and that was the look of it. Uh, oh, it, yeah. It really bothered me, and I, it just kept constantly pulling out of pulling me out of the movie. Uh, the scenery was gorgeous, and, and that first shot of water, by the way, I was like, wait a minute, this is live. That's live water. They're cheating. Uh, some amazing water effects in this. Um but we stick cartoony dinosaurs in all that photorealism. The other stuff just feels like a demo reel. I mean, the, the, when when the Arlo steps out of the water for the first time after being washed downstream and he shakes the water off of his belly, the water looks great. The there's even this loving close-up of water dripping off of his belly. I was like, what's right. that about? Yeah. But it, that's why. I mean, it, it really felt like. Let's show you how many things we can animate beautifully, feathers and water falling off of or branches or or the way that the clouds move or the, the, the certain shots of sunlight. I agree with you that it looks really great, but it does look like a bunch of cartoon dinosaurs from Dinosaur Train were plopped in the middle of it. And the thing is, I don't mm. think the dinosaur – so 
the, the dinosaur obviously like cartoon exaggerated, like the the mammals they show or, or like exaggerated, and those look fine. But my problem with the dinosaur animation, um, I, I didn't feel any warmth to- towards them because there's no. Yeah. Analog toward like, like they're they're just blobs. Your your son actually came in earlier tonight, Dingus, and he saw that I was setting up a, a picture for the post on the on the on the website. Uh, and he's like, "Oh, is that the good dinosaur?" He's like, "That is a, I don't know what it is. I think they're trying to make it look like because he knows all about dinosaurs and different types of I don't know breeds or whatever you call them." And he goes, "I think that looks like a blob." <laughs> which they did they were like blobs with faces for all intents and purposes um right and i like the the dad i kind of thought oh he looks like sam the eagle from the muppets like that was the only thing i could think of <laughs> where something looked like something that i could relate to uh and the reason this bothers me um is because i i think where this is done best, like when you take a fantastical animal that we don't really know what it is or what it looks like, we can't relate it to anything. Uh, I can't help but think of How to Train Your Dragon, where they take mm. Toothless mm. and they, they make him a cat. Like mm. They make him do cat things. They make him do things that people recognize and movements and expressions that, that we kind of resonate with. Even if you don't like cats, you know what that is. Um, like Toothless, who's a fantastic creature, is just so vivid and expressive in a way that these dinosaurs just seem like blobs to me. Yeah, and he's, he has personality, and he's an individual character. And I, I don't feel like that's true of any of these dinosaurs. All right, so Kelly Wine, it sounds like you disagree. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I had that impression at first because it was just the dinosaurs. And I'm like, yeah, these dinosaurs, look they look kind of Barney-esque. Like, that's a great way to put it, right? Yeah, yeah very good. And it seemed like a kind of a corporate thing, like like they had a concept designed for the character, but they were like, yo, we've got to make the animation amazing. So it's like, you, you can, I can just see the meetings that they had, like, okay, this is what the look of the movie will be. But then I kind of liked the idea that Spot is the animal, like the human, like you have an anthropomorphized dinosaur, but then he has like a pet human who is basically his cat. It's a dog, uh, though. The, the little boy was clearly right. a dog, like so right. Yeah. Dirty. Yeah. So, like, on that level, like, that, I guess, resonated with me on kind of a dopey level. And dopey was also a brontosaurus on Land of the Lost. Wait, dopey? Wait, what are you talking about? Dopey was a dwarf. No, dopey was a, yeah, it was a dwarf, too. But that's why they named him dopey on Land of the Lost, because they were named Oh, oh Land of the Lost. I didn't catch the Oh, all right. Right, right. Okay. So. Dopey, yeah, that was also, it's like, wasn't that animatronic? Like, was it? Yeah. Yeah. See, so dinosaurs never. I mean, in Brontosaurus, they just—that's how they look. I mean, Free Willy, which I never saw, but I thought that like a whale doesn't have a very expressive face. So it it wasn't a cartoon; it was an actual whale. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, trying to like make animal certain type, certain species of animals like. Oh, I hope he finds his mom. Like, if you wouldn't do that for a fly. Well, by the way, that that's why you can rip the head off of the beetle. I mean, they they eat right. the little, the bad guys eat the little mammal. Yeah. But I noticed when Spot was bringing him things, if it has a face, you can't kill it. You can't kill a lizard, right. uh, but they can rip the head off of a beetle because it's a gross insect. Yeah, right, right. Uh, okay, let's do some over unders because I want to get to the three by three this week. Yeah, uh, what? Dingus. Wait, what about good writing, bad writing? Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, real quick. I'm just going to throw these guys these at you. Uh, this is a contest. You tell me whether this is good writing or bad writing. Kelly Wan, some of these might be new to you because I'll, I'm giving them to you in English. Uh, I'm just going to get to the highlights. Okay. This is Dream Crusher. He protects me from having unrealistic goals. Kelly Wan, 
Is that Dingus referenced it before, but is that good writing or bad writing? Ugh, that line's in the movie? Yeah. It, it, you may not realize uh, the context, uh, though, but you're just going to have to take a stab at it then. That's when he gives him the stick and assigns him to... Well, actually, we'll tell you. Yeah, it's the, the, the Triceratops, or whatever Dingus called it, uh, introducing all the birds and mammals on his horns and his... Oh. And one of them is, he says, this is Dream Crusher. He protects me from having unrealistic goals after he's just pointed at the other animals and saying what they protect him from. And this is Debbie. Dingus, wait, jumping ahead to the good writing or bad writing entries in the contest. Sorry, I didn't know. My mistake. So, Kelly, uh, is that good writing or bad writing? I guess that's bad writing. Okay, Dingus, I'm going to give you a chance to give your answer. Is this is Dream Crusher? He protects me from unrealistic goals. Dingus, is that good writing or bad writing? I think I, I really liked that because it's this weird, uh, surrealistic moment that I didn't quite know what the hell was going on. I like how this Dracosaurus has this weird camouflage like aspen trees, and he seems, I don't know, he seems just like this weird, out of this weird drug-induced Disney moment. Well, yeah, I want to change my boat. Dingus is right. It is. Sorry, good. I have you down for bad, Kelly Wand. Dingus, I have you down for good. But here's the here's the deal. You're both right. So I'm giving you both a point. Here's here's my problem with that moment. That was a great line, but kids wouldn't understand it. That That's would make fine. no sense to kids. And this movie, it's pretend like there's nothing for adults in this movie. It's like we've this is a kiddie movie. I mean, Kelly One, that's cool that you liked it, that you were into it. But part of my problem with it is unlike Pixar movies, I didn't feel like there was anything here for me. Uh that line belongs in a movie for adults. Kids aren't going to understand this idea of dream crusher and unrealistic goals. That makes no sense to kids. So in the context of where it was, bad writing. Overall, Wait, what's though, the... overall, a good line. Like, it's a good piece of writing. What wouldn't they get about it? Kids don't understand this idea of dream crushing and unrealistic goals. Like, they this idea do. that I – mean, it's an adult concept, I would say. Oh. If, okay, if so the, the movie had part, an actual point about what – Arlo was going through, and if he had an actual, like, I don't know, a quest or something. Okay, well, this leads to the next entry, Dingus, in the good writing or bad writing line uh, contest. Here's the line. As long as you follow the river, you'll find your way home. Dingus, is that good writing or bad writing? Yeah, that's bad. Kelly Wan, good writing or bad writing? As long as you follow the river, you'll find your way home. Um, it's wisdom that his father imparts to him that he that he re, that he repeats later on to himself. Oh, that's bad then. Yep, because it's way too on the nose. Well, also, which way are you going down the river? It should too? be it should be like a like there should be like a metaphor or something. Like you can't apply that to real. How do you apply that to real life? You don't. Yeah. It's a literal instruction for how to get home. Listen, uh, it sounds Forrest Gumpy. I do love that Sam Neill later says. There's a lot of rivers. Well, Dingus, here we go. Here's another Sam Neill line that you mentioned before. (laughs) I mean, not Sam Neill. Sam Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. Yeah, sorry. Oh. Here's another one. You mentioned this one before. Dinosaur movie. If you're pulling my leg, I'm going to eat yours. Dingus, good writing or bad writing? Well, I think it's good. Kelly Wan, is that good writing or bad writing? If you're pulling my leg, I'm going to eat yours. And the T-Rex says this to the to the boy dinosaur when he's he's skeptical of something he's just told him. Um, it seems kind of low. Like if it's just oh, he has teeth. That's why he's saying it. But the other dinosaur has teeth too, so it seems dumb that. 
I guess I'd say bad. Dingus, I'm afraid I'm going to have to side with Kelly Wand on this simply because it makes no sense. Why would he eat just the leg? Yeah. Well, uh, the reason I said that is because I, I think that most of the, mo- the lines in this movie make no sense. It has a lot of these weird uh, things that sound like they would be some sort of a bromide, but really don't don't amount to much. But I changed my opinion about that when you said that thing, because really, it really bothered me that the theropods didn't eat them immediately. But your idea that they're an advanced civilization, and they don't need to do that because they're, they're raising these buffalo or whatever they are for whatever reason, uh, they've, they've done this, then this might just be that kind of a threat. If you're pulling my leg, I'm going to eat you. Oh, I'm just going you know, to I'm going to partly revert to my nature. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to... I fully have the possibility of chomping your leg. I'll, I'll you know, you know, it's like break a leg or something. Right. So, so, so I switched switch based on what you said. I'm afraid Dingus rules are rules, and I can't go back, but I am going to give you yeah. a half point because that was an excellent point. And I, I actually, if you told me that before I wrote the quiz, I would agree with you. But it's it's in black and white right here on the paper. Sorry. All right. I accept that. I accept, I guess the, I accept the ruling of the judges. All right. There's two more lines. Here you go. Uh, you're me and more. And Kelly Wan, just to let you know, this is said to the little boy dinosaur Arlo by Ghost Dad uh, when he appears to him later in the movie. I don't know if you got it. Oh, you could tell by the way he dissolves that he was a ghost. But he says to him, you're me and more. Uh, Kelly Wan, good writing or bad writing? It's uh, – I don't necessarily think it's good, but it's making me it, – I kind of like it, so I actually got to call it good. Okay. Dingus, good writing or bad writing? It's you're terrible me. because I hate that whole sequence. You're me and more. That's Kelly Wan, here's why it's terrible. Yes. W- what does it even mean? It sounds good. No, it sounds good. Separate. It sounds like a cleverly written line. But it in sounds that, in that context, it means nothing. How well, is he more than the dad? Because nothing is indi- indicates at this point that he is more than the dad. The dad nice. is, has, has been brave. He's been uh, he's been courageous and strong. Uh, if the movie had maybe showed that the dad had a lack of compassion or some sort of flaw or shortcoming that the son brought to life, yeah, this idea of he's equaled his father and been even more. He is not more than his dad at this point in the movie. That line is simply there because the writer thought it sounded good. Right. And by the it's way, it. Arlo has just knocked himself out. <laughs> well, to be, you know what? Also, to be fair, though, this is a hallucination, so Arlo's imagining it. So maybe right. he's just imagining that that's. Yeah, what and he has brain damage. So, Kelly, I'm giving you half a point for that one as well. The, so the, I talked myself into your opinion. How do you feel about that? Good. Can I can I ask about another line? Do you, Do you have any more lines to give us? I have one more. This is the tiebreaker. Uh, okay, according to my math, you guys are tied. Good writing or bad writing, Kelly? One, I don't think you need any context for this. All right, you cluckers. Kelly Wand, good writing or bad writing? That's all he says? Yeah, he says it to chickens. To Get chickens, it? yeah. Yeah, I got that part of it. That he doesn't follow it up with anything. He's just saying, all right. Well, then he goes and he gives him the what for. Yeah, he's, yeah, brave. But... he's, he's brave now. It would have been better if he followed it up with now for the what for and then done. But no, all you get is all right, you cluckers. Is that good? Uh, that's bad. pretty bad. I don't like that. Dingus, good writing or bad writing? Uh, it's terrible because those chickens shouldn't be there. <laughs> uh, why would he say that? To, why would a brontosaurus say that to chickens? It's an apatosaurus. Stop it. Oh, there's no uh, such uh, thing as a brontosaurus. That, oh, Kelly, so, so the thing is, uh, there's no such thing as a brontosaurus. Is there any such things as these things that we saw in the movie? As what things? 
the things we'll call them brontosauruses, the dinosaurs. Brontosaurus. So they're supposed to be a patasaurus. Whatever they're supposed to be, there's no such thing as the things we saw in the movie. So Wait, I'm the sticking by Kelly Wan on calling them brontosauruses. But you're quiet. You can call them whatever you want. You can, and you can call the flying things pterodactyls. I'm going to call them blobs. Either. Uh, so, uh, all right, you cluckers. Uh, is good writing because it's a stupid line that kids would enjoy and that oh. even adults would realize they're substituting it for the F-bomb. Oh, whoa. So I'm afraid you guys both lost on that one. I would call oh. that good writing. I'm sorry. So that leaves you guys both tied. So, Dingus, what was the line you wanted to ask us about? We'll make this be the tiebreaker. All right. Sometimes you got to get through your fear to see the beauty on the other side. Kelly Wan, good writing or bad writing? Um... The other side of what? The beauty? Sounds like you're calling into question whether that it's not good writing you're saying, basically. I guess that's bad, because I don't understand it at all. Wait, like, Dingus, that, so Dingus, on your behalf, I'm going to say also that it's bad writing. Yeah, yes, you're both right. It's terrible writing. Uh, so Kelly wins, because he gets one more point than I do. It's, yeah, I, just hate, I hate moments like, of writing like this, <laughs> where where it purports oh, to be a meaningful... This, this, this thing that might be a platitude, but it really, when you try to look at it, it means it means nothing. It's, right. If you thought about nothing. it, right. If you think about it, it doesn't belong in the script. It, it, it uh, is like bromide's a good word for it. Just the writer thought it sounded good. Let's leave it in there. In a in a better movie, it would have you know if someone was like writing a book or something where words mattered, they would not have it in there because they made see. It. And I didn't get that experience. So we got like, to in German. I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's, so it's like I if I'd heard these lines, it would have affected my opinion. Well, then Kelly, one, I'm I'm particularly curious what your over and under are because you liked it. Now, actually, you don't you you usually don't bracket, but I would still be curious. Where do you situate this in other movies, and what other movies did you compare it to? Uh, I should go last because I learned some about relationships. <laughs> what I meant to say is, Dingus, what are your over and under? All right. Uh, my over, by a very slight degree, is a movie that is mildly offensive. Well, not mildly, very offensive because of how badly the animals were treated. And that's Milo and Otis. Um, so Milo and Otis over this, uh, you know, this uh, it's a journey movie. Um, and under it, I would put um, the uh, Penguins of Madagascar, oh. which I had to go see. Uh, last year, the last time I think my dad was in town, and I slept through most of it because it's unremitting, uh, unrelentingly bad or unrelentingly. What's the word they use? You had a relevation thing. I had a relevation. Thank you. Madagascar, yeah. Yeah, and Penguins of Madagascar is so bad, and this, and I was very happy actually halfway through Good Dinosaur that uh, Dad and I are the only ones in the theater because we openly. We started openly just mocking the movie halfway through. I was glad to be the only one because, like I said, I checked my iPad for the time. I did open it at other times, and I even at one point thought, you know, I'm just going to play a dippy little time waster game. I didn't. I stuck with the movie, but I was glad I was alone. In the no, I, I watched the whole thing, but, but I just started mocking. I, I started feeling comfortable mocking it because both of us were like, what? Uh, well, because uh, there have been times you and I are seeing a movie that we don't like, and maybe the rest of the audience is into it, and we'll end up like kind of like giggling. Because right. we both know the other person doesn't like it, and it's very rude to the people in the movie. Like Kelly Wan, if he'd seen this with us, right. who might be enjoying the movie, you and I would be giggling at it, and Kelly Wan would be like, shut up, I'm into this. Right. Like the guy behind us in Spider-Man. <laughs> or somebody in front of us in one of the Hobbit movies yeah, who, you know, who shushed me. Really, yeah, pulled the boner there. there. There's, really? there's a point in this movie where I started thinking, was, was Sanjay's super team, could that have been the longer movie and this one been the short? Um, I don't think I would have wanted to watch Sanjay's super team 
for a long movie. So that's kind of a, a ridiculous thing to say. Um, but I, I think that, you know, I have a friend who, who said, you, one of the best things you can do is know the size of your idea. And there's, there's nothing that, that we could have gotten out of this movie, um, in five minutes without any dialogue that, that, that this movie gave us with, you know, almost two hours with dialogue. Terry one, did you get the short with uh, Sanjay Superheroes before your screening? Uh, <laughs> Sounds like not. It was basically like a Hindu anime short. No. Yeah, but yeah. A, a kid who learns not to watch TV or. You know. Aw, that sounds. Watching fun. that, I kept thinking though, you, like that—that's an Eastern religion. They're like monotheism is so boring. Like you can't have superheroes in monotheism. You're stuck with like the doofuses in the Old Testament. Uh, right. You're gonna because it's monotheists. Three right? guys, and one of them is like, "Where is he?" Yeah. Where's the guys everywhere? We can't find him. Oh, I get, I got that one. Very good, you guys. It took me a minute to catch up there. Uh, okay, my over and under. I was going to do something fancy, but I just went with other cartoons I didn't like. Uh, my my under actually was going to be a Kevin Costner movie, a movie called Black and or White. It's called Black or White, and it's a movie in which Kevin Costner fights black people. Uh, but I didn't pick that one. Instead, I picked uh, Monsters Inc. Which I really don't like. I know some people are into it, and that's cool. I don't like it either. I just think it's so goofy, and it's terrible for adults. And boy, I just can't stand Billy Crystal. Um, they're not monsters. That's yeah, that's another, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're just little lovable they're yeah, toys, they're basically. Just animals. They're, they're, they're there, exactly. They're there to be released as toys. So Monsters Inc. I like even less. Um, wow. I, I just love the idea of it. I mean, I, I really Monsters like Inc. that idea of. I think it's a clever idea. This weird collection. That's right. Yeah, I love that premise. But I love this premise too. Like I, this oh, idea I that oh, you know, what if dinosaurs were evolved and the humans? Oh, were yes. um, All right, fair enough. Uh, here's another my over, which because I think this one, I'm not crazy about this one either. But I think it is paced better, and I think it is more visually consistent. But I still don't like it. My over is Finding Nemo. So there you go. I haven't You're, seen that. Are one. you bracketing that? Because Finding yeah, yeah, I'm definitely bracketing. I, I don't care for Finding Nemo. I don't care for it. Okay. Oh. I'm definitely. I'm sorry. I'm finding Nemo. So you don't like water movies? No, like Jaws. You mean? How dare you? <laughs> Did you see Shark Tale? I worked on the video. Oh, no, good point. I didn't see that. I guess that I was a good don't point. like water cartoons. I did see The Incredible Mr. Limpet. Ah, oh, Jack Black was going to do a remake of that. Oh, I would be into that. I read the script. There's part where they turn into humans. The fish turn into humans. Oh, the fish did right, right. Okay, yes. Yeah. At a sushi bar, it gets pretty crazy. Oh, no way. It was Zach Galifianakis. That's who it was going to be. Oh, see, now you made me actually like it even more. Yeah, that's a step up. Kelly Wan, what are your over and under for Good Dinosaur? Uh, I went with movies where dinosaurs speak English. Um, <laughs> and which, so, which, by the way, that's, this is not one for you. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's true. But that's fine. You were bracketing it with that. That's okay. That works. Well, I could have just done movies I've seen in German, you know, <laughs> but instead, so dinosaurs speak English movies. My over was Cloverfield and my under was uh, Dinosaur. What is Dinosaur? Oh, you never saw Dinosaur? The animated movie? Yeah. Did you ever right. see that, Dickus? I hate yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, it's not very good. It's not as guy, I hate that character so much, the main dinosaur in it. I think it's uh it was Jennifer Aniston's boyfriend or something. 
He's just all, all right, now kids, let's get, he's, he's supposed to be a kid dinosaur, but he's like telling the other kids like, all right, now eat your vegetables and make sure that fence is done. He's like telling, saying shit like that. Hmm. Yeah. I'm not going to see that Kelly one. Sorry. So, so Kelly Wan, is, is you like this movie. Did, did it teach you any life lessons that you can take with you uh, and apply to your life? Uh, why are dinosaurs no longer around? Because their eggs stink. One, two, three, not only you and me. Got 180 degrees when I'm caught in between. Counting one, two, three, feet apart and I didn't know that before I saw the movie, so it taught me that. They are eggs. Eggs stink. Who is Jeffrey Wright, by the way? The dad? Yeah, he's he's a oh. papa. Who's the actor? Like I, I, I love Mr. Jeffrey Wright. I, I wish I'd known that. Right. The guy from uh, Ferris Bueller? Principal? No, it's Jeffrey Jones. That guy's dead, by the way, so that's mean for you to say. What? That. Jeffrey Jones uh, is dead? Oh, is it? Oh, Jeffrey Jones is not dead? Oh, oh sorry. the pedophile guy? Yeah. He's a pedophile? Oh, that's what I meant. He's not that he's dead, but he's a pedophile. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> he's, he's, blind, he's blind, actually. He's crimes. He's not uh, Yeah, take me, I say, with, with a grain of salt. I'm the guy who on the podcast last week said Catherine Waterston is not related to Sam Waterston. Hmm. Oh, is that a corrections department? Wait, uh, well, we were corrected it. Fortunately, Dingus was a, a real-time corrections department and uh, pointed out that they're father and daughter. But other than that, they're not related. Wait, you proclaimed two people weren't related, but they, they are. But they are. You should listen to the podcast sometime. <laughs> Actually, I think you were there when that happened, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah, I didn't understand it then. I'm like, why is Tom saying this? Hey, Kelly, I hate to tell you this. I hope it doesn't disabuse you of anything, but I'm wrong sometimes. But fairly a, a fairly high number of times, I bet, actually. Probably just as many times as any other person. Yeah. Yeah, but you pick you pick strange, strange like, things to be wrong about. Yeah, like these two people are not related. Everyone, <laughs> the Watersons, no blood. As long as we understand that I am right about the Earth having no single circumference, I'm fine with being wrong about what actors are related to each other. I'm fine that the, that the Earth doesn't have any mass. That's right. Yeah, uh, as a flagpole. So here's another thing. Speaking of circumferences, uh, there's a point where uh, the physics of this elude me. The caveman family is standing in front of Arlo the dinosaur, and he draws a circle around all of them from his position <laughs> where he's that. sitting. Yeah, and I'm like, how did he get the portion of the circle behind the caveman family? He had to bend over them, but they thought it looked threatening when they animated it. <laughs> it's my theory. I think, wait a minute. There, this I thought that too. Yeah. yeah. That was crazy. Did you so also catch that, or was that just me and Kelly Wand applying our geometric uh, uh, astuteness? To no, it? my eye test was like, wait, what? <laughs> That's the end of the movie? They're going to leave me with that jarring. No, he does not. He, I mean, he's got a long neck, but he doesn't have a long neck. Yeah, exactly. All right, so this week, uh, our three by three, uh, I wasn't sure if I was going to hate this, but I think I'm into it, uh, is Twins. Pretty straightforward. I love that. Off the table. Good, good. Uh, and uh, I think there's going to be a lot of overlap. That's okay. Gives us that much more to, uh, to focus over on. Over-under lap. There's no over-under in the 3x3, three three, Kelly Wand. It's just three. Uh-oh. Right. Uh-oh. This is going to be a police state. Police pulling. Do we over. need a policeman on duty for twins? This is pretty straightforward. Yeah, I think so, too. Unless Kelly's going to use like somebody who has split personalities or something. Yeah, Kelly Wand, I put the cops on furlough for this one, just so you know. <laughs> Uh, all right, so Dingus, it is your three by three next week. So why don't you start us off with your number three favorite twin twins? For actually, because it's plural from a movie. 
All right, here's a quote from it. Have you read Marley and Me? Uh, Oh, they're twins. They are. uh, It's in the title. I can't believe I missed that one. Dadgummit, Dingus. It's in the title. Because I'm thinking of people who are identical to each other, and that's a good point, Dingus. Right. This is. It was hard to put this at number three um, because I love this movie so much. This is from the Skeleton Twins, uh, and this is Milo Dean and Maggie Dean. Um, This is maybe the first podcast in which I've said the word Milo for two different choices. Um, So it's Milo Dean and Maggie Dean. They have this great (laughs) bit of dialogue about Marley and me, and we happen to have talked about the movie Marley and Me uh, in our house this week. We had a discussion about the movie Marlo, Marley and Me, which I have not seen, but Tom and a friend of ours have seen, and we uh, we went back and forth about that because we were talking about raising dogs because we have a dog here, um, and talking about how that, what, who, what that, what's going on in the movie, who's in the movie, and all those things. And while we're talking about that, I'm just sitting there thinking, I'm already I've got dialogue from that movie. Don't think about Skeleton Twins, Tom. Oh, uh, you did. You wanted me to not have it on my list, Jeez. Yeah, because I was like, very excited about it, and I didn't want a whole lot. No, of I'm totally left. thinking of people who are identical to each other. I forgot, and it's right there in the title. They're twins. Duh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're definitely twins. Um, and the, in fact, at the beginning of the movie, they they're basically both committing suicide at the same time. Um, and she she's thwarted because she gets the call that he is he is a, a little bit ahead of her. Um, and I I mean I am just a, a real fan of this movie. Uh, I love Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig in it. Um, I think I talked about this uh, last year at some point. Uh, how you know sometimes like with uh, with all due respect to you Kelly Wand, um, like with Nebraska I was really kind of put off by Will Forte's performance, even though everybody thought it was so great because it just felt like a comedian trying to be serious. But Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig really feel genuine, especially Bill Hader in this. They just feel like they have a genuine relationship. They're not trying to be, I'm a serious comedian, I'm a serious person, serious actor. It just feels like a real genuine relationship. You get the sense that they're, they have that sort of bond that twins have. Um, and, and they work so well together, and I just love the arc of this movie. So it's called Twins. It's a great one. Kelly Wan, can you top that for your number three pick for favorite twins? <clears throat> yeah, I'm going to do a quote. Okay. <laughs> I knew you were going to do this. I knew you were really? Do Why didn't you, you do know, an what? MP3 of that? No, no, it totally works. Yeah, speaking of uh, twins that don't look like each other, that's a good one, Kelly Wand. Yeah. They're not identical twins. Not at all. I've still never seen this. You don't need to. Oh, you don't need to. So good. It's the what? one you did. Didn't you do it for your for your uh, your MP3, whatever the MP3 was? Thing? Yeah. 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 All right, Kelly, one, tell the listeners because they probably don't know yet what on earth you're doing. It's from the movie Basket Case, um, and it's a twin, and one of the twins' names is Basket Case, and he's kept in a basket by the first twin, and so the guy has to like keep finding hotel rooms for them to stay in. So you you, you haven't explained like why is one of them a, a weird looking little blob? Oh, uh, I don't remember why. Oh, because isn't weren't they Siamese twins, and he was cut from him, and that's just like oh yeah. yeah. But they also share a lady, so. I wonder if... Um, so did the original Siamese twins. Oh, no, they didn't. They were both married to separate ladies. <laughs> <laughs> See, you almost lived in, in a world where you believed it, just like the Waterston <laughs> shenanigan. And well, I, actually, and I was I'm, picturing what you were thinking when you said that. Like, what oh, I was thinking you were married to a Siamese twin ladies who are also connected. Oh, oh wait, no, never mind. That's I was thinking of my number two choice, which we'll get to shortly, where that does happen. But they're not yeah. Siamese. 
I just think Basket Case is like the apotheosis of twin movies, and so it has to be seen. But wait, why is it your number three, then? Do you not know what apotheosis means, Kelly Wand? Yeah. Well, I do, but I'm saying that my other two are... um, They're my favorite twins twins. Like, they go as a set, which is how I categorized it. And I feel like in Basket Case, one of the brothers is way cooler than the other brother. So I don't know if, like... But they're still my favorite. They still fit the uh, paradigm. <laughs> I don't know how you say that word, but I know what you mean. Yeah. Yes, very good. Paradigm. Yeah. Paradigm. Paradigm. Why do I want to say paradigm? That just feels more natural. So you have two Can I stick with that? Right. Did I make a good case for basket case? You did. No, and basket case basket is a good case. pick, and especially if yeah. you are really into basket case, which I know you are. Yeah. I love basket case. I think it's uh, my favorite movie. Speaking of movies wow. that you have irrational love for, I wouldn't call this my favorite movie, but it's it's kind of up there, and I can understand that some people wouldn't be into it. It's got plenty of cheese and cheesecake, mm. um, but this is a movie. Uh, Hammer Studios is this, uh, they're in they're in England, and they did all these vampire movies like Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. At a certain point, uh, their movies weren't doing that well. They were getting like flagging revenue, and so they're like, "How can we?" re-energize our Hammer Studios movies. So they hit upon this idea, which I think is a golden idea. They hired twins who had just appeared as centerfolds in Playboy. These girls appeared in 1970. They hired them. They turned the movie around quickly. In 1971, they get out a movie called Twins of Evil, starring Madeline and Mary Collinson as Maria and Frida. Um, (laughs) Only one of them is like that. Well, everybody knows this. I'm sure it's common knowledge. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but only one of them is evil, by the way, technically. Right. They're not technically. But the reason it's called Twins of Evil is uh, Peter Cushing at one point has a line, God, you've given me Twins of Evil. And, you know, he says it out loud. So it's from the dialogue, basically. Wait, that doesn't make sense. That's bad writing. No, no. So here's my deal with Twins of Evil. <sighs> twins of Evil, the only one of them is evil. Peter Cushing doesn't know. Like he's he's not really clued in uh, what's actually okay. happening because the twins trick. There's a lot of twin trickery going on. Like, is this that twin or is this that other twin? <laughs> it's twickery. It's twick. Uh, it's very good. Very good. You got the bat off your shoulder first. Uh, I actually think the writing in Twins of Evil. I mean, there's a lot of goofy stuff to laugh at in Twins of Evil. Part of it is just so ham-handed. Part of it is inadvertently ridiculous. Uh, there's a game of Four charades handed. with the, a mute black henchman, which is it, it totally looks like it's from a Zucker uh, movie. Um, but for the most part, Twins of Evil, as far as Hammer Studio films, because I'm not into a lot of these Hammer Vampire movies, is actually very well written and has like has a great uh, plot um, and some really cool, good concepts. Uh, I, I think Twins of Evil is a solid script that is actually directed pretty well by a guy named John Ho, Howe, whatever you say, H-O-U-G-H, uh, who went oh. on to do Escape to Witch Mountain, Dirty Mary Crazy Larry, and, Kelly Wan, is this one of the movies you were talking about before? Legend of Hell House. Yeah. Oh. So this is the guy who did Legend of Hell House. Before that, he did a Cheesecake Hammer Studios movie called Twins of Evil. And Witch Mountain is also about twins. So he Oh, that's know. right. Kelly. Oh, wow. Very good. Yeah. Oh, so this is kind of his shtick, I guess. Yeah, yeah he loves twins. Would it, was he English? Would it be pronounced Huff? Oh, yeah, yeah. But you're right, Dingus. Yeah, Huff. That's also, by the way, the name of Stephen Toast's uh, agent. 
Oh, no, Pluff. Sorry, Jane Pluff. I'm screwing that. <laughs> oh, I gotta watch that. Yeah. No, you don't, unfortunately. Season uh, two? Uh, uh, I think it's three. What? It's three now, and it's terrible. Um, so wow. real quick, I want to say the best thing about Twins of Evil, though, the twins are awesome. I actually think they're they're pretty convincing, and these girls are absolutely beautiful, and the movie knows it, and the movie is full of their cleavage, mm. uh, which is mm-hmm. amazing cleavage. Uh, and cool. one of the reasons I remember this movie is I don't know how this happened, but I'm almost 100% sure I saw this movie on regular broadcast TV in Arkansas when I was a kid. And they did not cut the the one nude scene where Frida is pretending to be Maria, and she opens her uh, nightgown to seduce the the hero, Anton. Oh. I'm pretty sure I saw that when I was a kid on regular television when I was staying with my uh, with my grandparents. I'm like, I was watching That's TV. That's the virtue of Arkansas. It's like some guy went, "Twins are evil. This is right. fine." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nobody bothered to look to see that there was nudity in it. Yeah, they were just like, "Yeah, Hammer Horror Studios. There, they're fine." So that is, is Twins of Evil the, the, her nicknames for her boobs? They're not. There's nothing evil about those boobs, Kelly. Oh, no, I meant from her point of view. Because uh, to not, her point of view, the Jedi are evil. Uh, they're, yeah, they're not at all evil. They're they're the opposite of evil, Kelly. Wand. Wait, how was the Newt saying? Like, how was she? <laughs> well, she's turning into a vampire. Like, she thinks the guy thinks uh, okay. she's a good one, and so she, he thinks she's the good twin. Anton has been tricked uh, into thinking that Frida is Maria. There's this whole ruse that Count Karnstein has, has uh, mounted against Anton. You're doing what, like, uh, Paul Weimer does, where you, you know, say all the names of the characters. Like, well, this, know, is a, this is a historical drama. Aiden Manning. So these were probably actual historical characters. This is history, Kelly Wand. I'm not just talking about movie plots. Um, so she opens her nightgown to seduce Anton, and they start kissing and making out. And then Anton looks up and sees in the mirror, he's just holding empty air. There's no reflection of her. That's how he knows she's the evil one, and then her fangs come out, and there's this great scene where they're rolling around on the bed, and she's supposed to be fighting him with her nightgown undone. Does he see the nightgown in the mirror? No! Good point, Kelly Wan. The nightgown is a vampire as well. Interesting. <laughs> I thought of that. He's really, yeah. But I'm burying the lead. The really, really good thing about Twins of Evil, and the cheesecake is cheesy, but it's it's really effective. The really good thing about Twins of Evil, undeniable, um... Peter Cushing is so amazing in this, and he's such an example of of a guy who can do bad scripts and commit to them. And that, I mean, there's just cheesy stuff in this. It's not, for the most part, a serious, good, serious movie. Um, but Peter Cushing is – so his wife had just died, and they basically said, mm-hmm. do, you, do you want uh, – I mean, do, do you want to, uh, to opt out of this movie? We'll get someone else. Uh, and he – basically told them, no, I, I need to work. Um, and you can just see on every line in his face, the guy, I mean, once you know this and watch the movie, it just gives it so much extra weight. Because uh, he's so good in it. Uh, so there you go. Sorry to bring the room down, but Twins of Evil, my number three favorite uh, movie, partly for the so, twins, but actually mainly for Peter Cushing. So it helps his performance, because he's, gr- he's supposed to be playing a guy who's grieving that he has Twins of Evil. Well, he's actually – they're not his Donald's kids. Guy. He's the—he's a witch hunter. Uh, he plays Carl Vile, uh, who's the witch hunter, who basically in the part of the movie – in the early part of the movie, he's the villain. He's just running around with this group called the Brotherhood, and they're all like these weird pilgrims, and they're just burning alive at the stake all of these buxom women because they know there's some witchcraft going on, and they're just clumsily trying to find out who's responsible for this. So early on, he's indiscriminately killing people. He eventually gets redeemed. Um, but these are his nieces that come to him from Italy. Uh, hmm. 
because their their parents have just died. They're orphans. Uh, so he's agreed to take care of them, uh, and 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 then things go wrong because of Count Karnstein's plot, which you'll discover if you see Twins of Evil. I Do will they name him that way on purpose. Is it is he like related to Kurt, or is there? Is there is there, is there anything going on there? Is it just supposed to be kind He's of a vile? Because maybe I'm just saying that I don't. His last name is definitely vile. I don't know if I'm just thinking of. I don't know. Yeah. All right. I'm just wondering if they did that on purpose or if they're just doing like a, you know, Count Duku kind of like terrible George Lucas naming convention. Well, it's, it's a real name. W e i l. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. why I was wondering if if he's like supposed to be some sort of. We're supposed to have some sort of historical link to him. I do not know. I kind of right. don't. Um, right. Maybe there's a missing link to him. <laughs> oh, guys. Speaking of links, Dingus, why don't you link us from your number three pick to your number two pick for a favorite twin movie? Excellent segue. I kind of feel bad about this one. Um, yeah, my number two is iffy. No, this isn't iffy. I just feel bad about it because um, it's a spoiler. But it's from a nine. It's nine years ago, so I guess it's okay to talk about it. Uh, so here's a bit of dialogue from it. See, he's fine, but where's his brother? Oh, very good. Uh, wait a minute. Oh, of course. Dead comment. Dingus came up with another good one I forgot about. All right, so this is from the movie, and, and, and I'm sort of reluctant to talk about no, it. No, it's, you know what, this this long Dingus, is somebody's going to accidentally pick up the twist. All right, so this is the this is from the movie The Prestige, um, and I... Uh, I just love this movie so freaking much, uh, and it, it, and what turns out to be is that it's it's supposed to be a surprise that that uh, Christian Bale is playing twins basically, um, and that's sort of what what is going on with this trick that he's constructed and how he pulls up the trick. Um, uh, yeah, I still feel so shy about talking about it. Well, then just yeah, you can just leave it at that. If you All right. Want. So okay. anyway, it's 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 the the twins in the Prestige. Good pick. Kelly Wan, what is your number two pick? Can you beat uh, Prestige? My number two is the ones from The Shining. I wondered if those had come up. Yeah, what makes them your second favorite twins of all time, Kelly Wan? Because uh, it was the first time I realized that twins are scary. Like, <laughs> it's kind of, yeah. Until I saw The Shining. But Normally, twins are kind of like precious, aren't they? Yeah, or there's one who's evil and one who's good. Ah, right. In The Shining, it's like, no, you get double teamed right out the gate. <laughs> they're both awful, yeah. They're both awful, and the fact that they're both twins somehow makes it so much worse than it would be if it was just one little girl somehow. Like, the fact that they want to dress like that, both of them. But the thing is, Tom, and I thought you'd catch me out on this, is apparently they're not twins. What are you talking about? Because Grady has that line in the bathroom to Jack where – or someone does where it says – he's like, oh, I have two daughters. One's 11, one's 9 or something. Oh, I didn't know that. So they just the, – so they dress like twins even though they're not twins, which in a way is even creepier. Well, Kelly Wan, you're, you're lucky that the cops are off duty because – yeah, but but I think everybody who's seen The Shining thinks they're twins. Like, no, it's uh, The Shining twins, right? Yeah, I can't – And they aren't twins in the book either. But, no, I didn't. I didn't remember that. Huh? But I they're just obviously assumed they were twins because I. I mean, I, that's one of the first things that came that's to mind. That's their whole uh, thing. Their signature move is twins. Like but no, Dingus, I think he's right because there is dialogue where he does say that. Yeah, he would say they're twins, and he says two different ages. Yeah. Hmm. Um. So they're even like I remember their pictures too of these these little girls grown up, and they just look like normal women. But they're right. billed as, hey, here are the shining twins, all grown up. Like if you right. get shining twins, adults, you get 
stories with these pictures of these women saying, hey, these are the Shining Twins. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and they don't hang out with the Danny actor either. He's like a biology teacher or something. Is that whatever became of that kid, by the way? That's what I'm saying. I think he became a teacher. Kelly said he became a biology teacher. Yeah. That was his only movie. They went into biology. That was his only movie, really? Yeah, I remember Kelly telling us that before at one point. Are you sure you're not thinking of Haley Joel Osmond? (laughs) Haley Joel Osmond's been in other stuff, stop it. No, that was his only movie, Dingus. Let me recommend you a movie, Tusk, Tom. I think you'll love it. No, shut up. Oh, God. Oh, so painful. Oh, is he in that? Yeah. Is he in Nymphomania? He's Ew. the he's the morning what? radio sidekick. Kelly Wan does that for a role for Haley. Should I see it? No. Oh, maybe. No. Thing is, should we foist Tusk off on Kelly Wand? Please, I wouldn't do that to anybody. Kelly Wand just got it's Michael. It's a Parks. movie based on an internet yeah. riff. Yeah. It's yeah. Exactly. It's not a movie. It's a joke. Yeah. Like Human Centipede, which I loved. Up to well, a point. He's got a point, Dingus. Get it? You have points in common. Yeah. I loved the first mm-hmm. segments. Well, Kelly Wand, what you should see. Is my uh-huh. second pick for a movie with my favorite Oof. twins, uh, and this is where I learned because I rewatched it this week uh, that I think I'm going to screw up their names. I apologize if this sounds racist, but this is how I remember it: that the original Siamese twins, Ching and Chang, actually married and had children, and uh, and that's pointed out in this movie, to which I'm sure everyone is not. They didn't marry the same woman or anything, but in this movie, twins do have sex with the same woman. And this being the movie Dead Ringers, where Jeremy Irons uh, plays both of the twins. Uh, so, uh, I, by the way, there's a scene, too, where uh, the twins are Elliot and Beverly, and uh, Elliot is sort of the evil one. Not really. And, well, they right. kind of switch places, but Elliot is the super cool one who's together and who, like, seduces women, whereas Beverly uh, is the meeker one who's more into doing the research and the science. And at one point, Elliot orders uh, a pair of prostitutes who are twins. And there's a scene where they come to the door, and they introduce themselves as Mimsy and Coral, uh, and he invites them in, and they have, like, one line each. Uh, and they're actually twin actresses, and they sit down, and then it cuts, and we're supposed to, you know, presume that uh, he has sex with both of them. One of those actresses, the actresses are named Jacqueline and Jillian Hennessy, mm. one of whom goes on to become what? Jill Hennessy. Jill Hennessy. <laughs> yeah, from Crossing Jordan and Rhodey. She's got a twin – who didn't go into acting like she did, but they appear as these twin prostitutes in uh, in Dead Ringers, which is oh, holy cats! I didn't know that. Um, I really liked Jill Hennessy. I mean, I, oh, I do too. She yeah. was on uh, Law and Order before she was on Crossing Jordan. I think that's right. No, I know you like her more than me. It's like I'm sort of a Johnny Come Lately to that because when I told you about Rhodey, you're like, oh, I'm already into her. Yeah, yeah, she's Jilly she's Kim great in in, in uh, Rhodey. Yeah. Uh, she's not so great. You wouldn't guess from Dead Ringers that, oh, boy, this woman has a career ahead of her, but uh, she did. So uh, Dead Ringers is my favorite twins. Uh, I love how it tr- creates this idea of twins tapping a little bit into uh, David Cronenberg's concept of body horror, where these twins use their bodies to sink their drug addiction mm. and eventually reverse roles. Uh, they're gynecologists, which is also icky right. because one of them makes these really scary tools to, to presumably operate on mutant women um, and there's a super uncomfortable scene where he actually tries to use these tools on some poor woman uh, and it does not go well um, also Bujold and Genevieve Bujold is, is, yeah, plays an actress and she's the one that they both sleep with uh, 
and they try to trick her for the longest time so she doesn't know which one is which, and she gets wise to it. And that's what uh, makes uh, Beverly so despondent, uh, is that he's actually in love with her, whereas Elliot isn't. Um, so this also, Kelly Wan, I don't know, you, you've gotten me to see some early Cronenberg uh, movies, including the like the Rape Slug one, which I hated. Yeah, love that one. <laughs> so Dead Ringers is the first movie where he picks up a director of photography named Peter Shusitsky, uh, who most people would know, whose main claim to fame is a little movie called The Empire Strikes Back, mm. which he'd recently done, which I obviously I think – you ask anyone, the best-looking Star Wars movie is clearly Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. I think partly the director of photography can take responsibility for that. So everything from Dead Ringers on, this fella shot for David Cronenberg. And I feel that Dead Ringers is the first movie where Cronenberg's movies don't look like some amateurish student film. Uh, right. And even the, the Fly, which predates Dead Ringers, I love The Fly, but it does have the look of like a film stage play. There, there's no lush cinematography or anything. So once he starts working with Shusitsky, which begins in Dead Ringers, his movies, and all the way through like Eastern Promises and all that stuff, his movies start to look a lot better, and they actually look like movies. Uh, and you can see this start to happen uh, in Dead Ringers. Cronenberg stops want, cheap. Do we want the fly looking lush, though? Uh, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but then maybe that's what happened. Like he went, all right, let's let's make. Like he saw the fly, and went, okay, I've covered that ground. Now let's make something that looks. Well, okay. to be fair, and I'm, I'm totally serious. I mean, the, the the intimacy of the fly really works. I mean, the fact right. that it does look like just hey. A love triangle, you know, three people in a stage play. Uh, that's that's one of his strengths. I kind of feel. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So it should look like a fly's dinner, to paraphrase Gordon Ramsay. Don't know who that is. What movie? Wow. Hell's <laughs> Kitchen, the movie. I haven't seen that. Yeah. There's no such movie. Dingus, give us your number one favorite twin or twins from a movie. All right, here's a quote from it. Dingus, by the way, I'm going to be so mad. You, I know you're going to steal mine because I figured. Go ahead, give me the quote, and I, I'll bet you two words into the quote, I can guess the movie. I'm not going to steal yours. I'm, I'm leaving yours alone. You can have yours. Oh, good. All right. Ha uh-huh. ha. Right. This is uh, um, this should be predictable to a lot of other people, uh, but yeah, I'm not going to steal yours. Are there twins in Midnight Run? No. Uh, never in my wildest imagination did I ever dream I would have sons like these. Twid Night. Oh, oh. He t- he's told a different good one. Oh, wait, maybe not, actually. No, I don't think either of you will like this one very much. It, it, it's, it's not uh, Look who's talking. As, as good as the other two choices. It's just the one I like the most. Raising Arizona. I was going to guess, and I hope this isn't a spoiler, but I thought I, maybe it was something that Ben Stiller would have said in Royal Tenenbaums, but that's... I don't House think of Wax. Are, we, are, are, are Ari and Uzi twins? Are we sure? Well, they dress the same way, doesn't that mean... Yeah, they do, but they, all three of them dress the same way. Oh, he, good point. And Ben Stiller does too, and I'm not quite sure if they're twins, but it is another Wes Anderson movie that's right. Doesn't uh, doesn't Gene Hackman refer to them as the twins, though? He might, but I I couldn't. Okay. I I wasn't sure. I wrote that down as an idea, but I couldn't find evidence for it. Well, at any rate, I know that your guess that your pick is not Royal Tenenbaums. Then. It is not. It is Rushmore, and it is Ron. Oh my God, Ron, that's right. <sighs> Ronnie and Donnie. Blue. Oh yeah, those guys. I like them. Those um, are that's a great one. And I I just love. I love it because um, because of that weird relationship uh, that Bill Murray has with his sons. Well, when you um, said the line, Dingus, I thought it was going to be some father super proud of his children. 
So that no, so he hates it's, them. He thinks it's the idiots. opposite. Right. Uh, and there's this awesome, fantastic moment where you know he's he's first met Max Fisher. Uh, you know, because Max Fisher is working as the crossing guard, and and he's met, he's met him outside. The, well, he hasn't first met him. He's he's met him already because of the um, uh, the the chapel announcement or the chapel speech he gives and he and Max meet later on and and then uh, what's his name Brian um, Jesus who's the hand collector dude Brian Cox yeah Brian Cox thank you says he's the worst student we've got um, and then a little little after that Max meets uh, uh, Bloom again in his car and then Ronnie and Donnie run and they fight to get in the car who's going to be shotgun who's not um and uh, and as he's driving away, he's like, "You shouldn't invite that kid to your birthday party." And they're <laughs> sorry. This, this moment makes me laugh. Is this the car? It's when they're in the car. When it's when so they're in good. the car, and and he's he's like, you know. You should you should invite that kid to your party and they're like Max, come on, Dad. There's going to be girls there. Uh, I'd rather die. And then he says, "Pull your head out of your ass." To his dad. And then there's this pause. <laughs> and Fillmore reaches into the back seat and like starts to strangle his son. <laughs> While he's driving, he doesn't stop the car. That is awesome. I'm totally remembering that, Dingus. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then <laughs> there's another moment later on where. Where I think he, he, when, when Max is visiting him in the hotel room and he's got like a black eye or something and he asks who gave him the black eye. He's like, either Ronnie or Donnie. I can't tell the difference anymore. <laughs> Which then gets downshifted into something like, well, kids don't like it when their parents get divorced. Um, but he's got, he's just got these demon children. Um, but he's responsible for that because he's their dad. Or he's at least partially responsible for that. Um, but that moment in the car, I can just, I, I can't get over that moment where there's that pause, that Bill Murray pause, and then he reaches back. It's like, get your head out of your ass. Kelly one, Dingus snuck in a, Rush, a Rushmore pick again. That's right. It's a, and a great one that you even like, like and it, a Rushmore. Yeah, and they're played by brothers. Their their brothers are named Ronnie. One of them is Ronnie, and I mean it's Ronnie and Donnie Bloom, but uh, the brothers named Ronnie and Keith McCauley. Uh, so they are brothers who play the play the part. And they're barely in the movie. They're just yeah, they're like, barely in the movie, but they. But I love the the this really weird and creepy uh, family yeah. portrait that shows up in the movie. Uh, the way they're tearing through their birthday gifts as uh, Bloom sits on the other end of the pool, just like throwing golf balls into the water. Uh, and just the the other—they're just like these racist little animals. Um, uh, and you kind of see where Bill Murray's character is coming from with um, like that's kind of what right must be shit too. Right, but, and you also see this in, in the beginning of the movie when he's giving the speech. He's like, you know, the rich kids get them in your sights and take them down. He's kind of thinking about. I've raised a couple of monsters. Right. I hope I hope those of you in the crowd like Max Fisher who aren't monsters will succeed. And maybe this this horror that I have unleashed upon the world will will be uh, averted somehow. He's a little lonely because he's got Ronnie and Donnie. Yep. All right, go ahead, Kelly. You're next. Oh, my number one is uh, used cars. The Jack Warden twins from Used Cars. Oh. I just want to promote that movie. Because I even remember that. Is one of them evil and one good? Yeah. 
Yeah, and they own used car dealerships across from each right, other. Right, right. They're competitors, yeah. And so they he has a guy kill his brother, and so they have to pretend Jack Warden's alive for the part of the movie while the other brother watches. So it's like this really cool way to keep Jack Warden in the movie after one of his characters is killed off because he's like still, still spying on the place with binoculars from across the street. I feel like used cars kind of came out during a time when movies like used cars got made. And I feel like the kids today need to see used cars. So that's why I picked it as my number one. Cause, Cause you're such a Robert Zemeckis fan too. It was before, um, <laughs> it was before he became Robert Zemeckis. Yeah. It was when he cared about stories and it's like, it was their first movie. It was like pre back to the future, Robert right. Zemeckis, Bob Gale, like, and you can kind of see the precur, like everything pays off in used cars. I think it's a really great movie, like just for gags and the characters too. Um, and it's just like a, such a great relic of the times. Like it's a, it's a great time capsule movie. And it's like a sign of why movies suck today is because you don't see shit like used cars. Movies don't suck today. That's not Yeah. Used cars wouldn't get made today or it'd be dumber. It would be like fucking, it would tell suck. Want, it'd be like a Max Landis movie. Tell you want, I have, hold on. I have five words for you. No. Tell you want, I have six words for you. Tell me why I have six words for you. Ready? Yeah, Larry, uh-huh. gay, renegade, male, flight attendant. Wait, one, two. Okay, yeah, I, those are the six words I have for you. There. But even that movie, that like, got made today. Yeah, I know, but it's kind of slapdash compared to used cars. <laughs> used cars is rock solid. Used cars <laughs> is a fucking tank. All right. Larry Gay is a lovable omelet. It's like the breakfast he eats at the beginning of Larry Gay, where it just never... It's like a bag of holding. But then in... I don't know. There's there's dead stretches of Larry Gay. <laughs> no, there aren't. It's a lovable omelet, but then you hand it off to a homeless person. See, Dingus remembers it. It even made an impression on Dingus, Kelly Wand. Larry Gay is pretty cool. Maybe I'm being dumb. But... It's rare. But no, used cars, you're right. It's definitely a relic of another time, and it's awesome that this is where Robert Zemeckis came from. Uh, yeah. Um, it's like it's 1941. Great, it's great Kurt, Kurt Russell goofing off. I mean, it's he's, super wacky. The black dude's hilarious. And the Jack Warden characters are really good. There's a lot of good supporting. And there's the superstitious guy. Do you remember that dude? The only thing that sucks about used cars is the love interest. I don't really like the And there's nudity in it, isn't there? That's right. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's nudity because they're trying to do it. <laughs> and, and Jimmy Carter's in it. And Lenny and Squiggy are uh, wow. in it as technician nerds. It's like 1941, but like set in a different year. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that. Leaves, yeah. I guess that leaves me with adaptation then. Yeah, it does. Uh, ah, that's a good one. Too. Yeah, I mean, and this obviously is. Uh, it's, it's a fun topic. Well, this is this is Charlie Kaufman basically exploring his own psyche and using twins as a way to do it, like. Creating, splitting himself into uh, Donald and Charlie Kaufman. One of them's actually him, and because he doesn't actually have a twin, and the movie is so meta about this. Uh, and Donald Kaufman can be kind of everything that he desires and loathes about Hollywood, whereas Charlie Kaufman himself is this this ball of neuroses. Uh, if I had chosen a quote, what, what do you think I would have chosen? thing about uh flowers for algernon yeah absolutely right. i mean there's so many i mean it's one of those you know we could have three by three your favorite lines written by charlie kaufman i mean this yeah, is yeah. a lot of them would be from adaptation um 
So, uh, yeah, and it's just also it's Nicolas Cage. It's, it makes such great use of Nicolas Cage's two abilities: his ability to seethe and his ability <laughs> to just be completely out of control. Yeah, uh, and, and he's just so good with, with, with both of them. Yeah, and, and it gets it's so great. weirdly heartfelt. Like the moment when like Donald dies at the end. I mean, you you feel dopey because you're in on the joke, and right. you feel dopey. At how like effective that is, and his little reveal about the girl that made fun of him when they were kids, and it's like, wait a minute, this is a joke, and here's actual like insight and heartfelt moments to it. Uh, and then at the end, he dedicates the movie to Donald. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you see the joke through to the end, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so there's my number one pick. I presume we're going to hear more of that as we go to the listener picks. Starting with Nick Smith. Oops, those are missiles. Sorry, Nick, we missed you from. Uh, <laughs> That was last oh, wait. It was, oh, I felt bad for that guy. <laughs> Sorry, those are missiles. Uh, Colton W. Westrate. Oh, come on. That's what it says. Man, Writes, our listeners have the awesomest names. Wait, say it again? Colton W. Westrate. Sounds oh, like a cross between a great. pistol and some sort of a chemical reaction. Whatever it is, it's yeah, awesome. Right. Uh, and he, he's, he opens with a plea to the officer. So let's see if this goes through. He says... I thought it might be okay to double down for twins and correct an egregious omission of the signs three by three. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll see. Uh, he writes, because uh, we had a three by three about our favorite signs. And, double down. Uh, yeah. So Colton is going to sneak in a pick from another three by three. Colton, you might get in trouble with the three by three law. We'll find Oh, they're off duty. Perfect time to do that. Yeah. Well done. Colton writes, in Back to the Future, after Marty escapes the Libyans. That's right. Libyans. Oh, my <laughs> Because yeah. this joke is like Libyan death squads that were going to assassinate yeah. Reagan. I forgot. Oh, I forgot that. Yeah. Uh, in Back to the Future, after Marty escapes the Libyans in the parking lot of the Twin Pines Mall for his first trip to 1955, he runs over one of two pine trees next to Old Man Peabody's mailbox. When he returns to the mall in 1985, it's easy to miss the sign that is changed to Lone Pine Mall as opposed to Aww. Twin Pines Mall. That's good. That's twins and signs. Uh and trees, if you want to reach back that Oh, uh, I never noticed that. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I like that choice. Huh. Uh, in case he was arrested, uh, Colton, I think you would have gotten away with that one. Uh, in case he was arrested, he says, if you're not convinced, allow me to add that in that scene, there are two Marty McFlies. And since they have identical DNA, we know that because science, they are, of course, technically twins for as long as they both exist in the same space-time, space-time continuum. Hmm. Well argued, Colton. Uh there's no uh, oh, really? Oh, Kelly Wan, are you going to fill in for 3 by 3 cops? Mm, I like the choice a lot, so I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm going to let it slide because he had he showed me his cleavage. So I thought you were going to make a citizen's arrest for a minute there. Yeah. Well, because twins have different, slightly different DNA. It's not like they're the same organism. Oh, boy. Here we go. Oh, you know what? I, think it's, I think Kelly is right. Like it's, it, Colton is lucky that actually because the cops might have caught, caught on that one. But it's a Zemeckis uh, reference. And since right you picked used cars, you're just in. You're throwing your lot in with him, Kelly Wan. You can't arrest that. Yeah, guy. and I love the Libyans. I love the like Doc Brown. Like the the linchpin of that whole movie is, oh my god, we got to save Christopher Lloyd's character from death. And it's like the reason he's dead is because he ripped off terrorists and then and then ripped up a letter that he wrote. <laughs> like he's basically do his own. It's his own dumbness that's gonna kill him. Never mind. Anyway. Zemeckis, continue. Sorry. Paul Weimer writes, <laughs> In The Man with the Iron Mask, Leonardo DiCaprio plays twins. The King of France 
and the twin that has been locked away in prison wearing the titular device to hide his face. The Musketeers reunite to release the imprisoned twin and give him a chance to replace his despotic twin. Doesn't it seem like an Iron Mask is a bad thing to put on someone if you don't want people to know who he is? Like, they're going to go... Isn't he just kind of sticking out like a sore thumb anyway? Like, oh, it's the king's twin. Wait, they're not oh, wait, parading no, him around. I mean, he's thrown in a dungeon. It's not like he gets to go out in public. Does he? Uh, well, then why? You don't need the mask anyway, though. It's, just a, it's, just, it's a fallback. It's a redundant system. Okay, it's I'm one sorry. Of fails. Yeah. That's a good point. Paul Weimer's number two pick, an adaptation. Nicolas Cage's portrayal of twins Charlie and Donald Kaufman is a lot of fun. Especially since Charlie Kaufman... The writer of Adaptation doesn't even have a twin in real life, which just adds to the weirdness of the movie set inside of a Kaufman book. And as number one, going out to you, Dingus, in The Prestige, being a twin is crucial to Borden's disappearing act. Hmm. His rival doesn't have a twin to copy the act that way, so he hangs the tale of magician, stagecraft, and science fiction. Arthur Giovanginelli writes, Oh, I didn't even think of this one. Oh, my gosh. And this is, that's me, Tom Chick, not Arthur. Uh, uh, Social Network, Army Hammer playing both of the Winklevoss twins. Ah, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, I d- and, and as Arthur writes, he does such a good job that I thought it was two different actors. I'm the same way. Yeah, I had no idea that was the same uh, guy. He should only play twins. He's really good at it. I know, right, yeah. They, he sh- they should have given him both roles he, in Man from Yeah, Marvel. he should have been Tano. Yeah. Oh, he would think And in Lone Ranger, right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Arthur and, Gil- and silver. Uh, that thing is, you went too far. Nobody's saying he can jump species. Uh, really? By the way, do you guys remember Dead Ringers? Like how good Jeremy uh, yeah, is playing both parts. Yeah, yeah, that movie just freaks me out because of the intro. Yeah, but he's so good though that you know who is which twin, and they're not yeah. doing stupid tricks like oh his hair's parted to the left and his hair's parted to the right. I mean, it's it's really Jeremy Irons doing something to have like a different look in his eyes depending on which guy he is. It's amazing to watch. Yeah, it's a pretty great yeah. performance, I agree. But yeah, Army Hammer uh, also does nice work. Arthur- yeah, you know, it's it's two different actors playing the part, but his his face is just put on the other actor's face. That's all oh, Army Hammer, you mean? Yeah. Right. So it's basically about- like, like Sandra Bullock and Gravity, just doing face acting and they stick it onto uh, the film. Right. Face acting. And, and the dog, too, in Gravity. What about Lily Tomlin and Bette Midler? Kelly Wynn, you probably stole someone's pick. By the way, what are the uh, twins in? Beaches? Uh, it's called Obsessive <laughs> Shenanigans or something. Obsessive <laughs> Shenanigans. Wow. Yeah. That could be something. It's The title of that movie starts out sounding, sounding like a Steven Seagal movie, but by the time you're over, you know it's, <laughs> it's something. It's Police Academy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Police uh, Academy also sounds like a Steven Seagal movie. Right. It, it, well... Great, like Steven Seagal and Dana Carvey movies. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I watched Jack and Jill this week for. Oh no! What? Oh, we'll get to that. Eric, the lead. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, Arthur Giovanginelli's number because it might be someone else's Twins. pick. Right. Uh, Arthur Giovanginelli's second pick is the Great Muppet Caper. <laughs> you watched Jack and Jill. <laughs> Hold on, we'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> shut up. Well, Fozzie Bear and Kermit the Frog, Arthur writes, play identical twins who write for the same newspaper. What? The movie gets a lot of mileage. Oh, out of this joke, my personal favorite is the picture of their father. Because they don't look like father. Uh, Fozzie Bear and Kermit the Frog. Oh, they're twins. That's the joke. And yeah, I don't. Wait, what? I Kelly wants see the Great Muppet Caper or take it up with Arthur Giovanginelli. 
Yeah. It might not be. I mean, one's a foot taller, so so you know, it might not be identical. <laughs> yeah. If if uh, Dingus can pick skeleton twins, why can't Fozzie Bear and Kermit the Frog be twins? Hmm. Arthur's number one pick. We've heard this one before. The Prestige. Christian Bale plays both of the identical twins that make up the magician Alfred Borden. Bale's work is fantastic. It really holds up through repeat viewings as you are able to see the minute differences between the brothers. The reveal associated with the Bordens made me made the the reveal associated with the Bordens left me dumbfounded in a way few twists ever have. Here's another one. You guys listen to this name. Uh, let me see if I can get this right. Robert Perry Cruyas. Actually, it's probably just Cruz, but written with a lot of extra letters because it's probably English. So, Robert Perry Cruz, right? You know what? It looks like a Welsh name, actually, or Gaelic, something. Robert Perry Cruz writes, Hey, QT3 gang, decided to write in when these three sets of twins popped into my head. Number three, twin girls from The Shining. He writes, I thought of these sinister sisters first, but figured so did everyone else, so they're just the lowest on my list. I freak my kids out sometimes by doing my best come play with us forever. Come play with us, Danny, forever impression. Oh, Robert, it's a a great thing to do to your kids. Is playing with the Shining Twins, does that consist of uh, haunting other guests who come to the hotel in the same way? Or are they actually going to play like in the hedge maze and shit? When she says come play with, when they say come play with us, Danny. Yeah. Does that mean just wait for other Fuck wants to show up. I'm assuming it's a metaphor. Come play with us. It's a metaphor for death, Kelly Wand. Playing with the twins. That means death in most. This is an idiom in many languages. Interesting. Interesting. Robert Perry Cruz. uh, We'll see if he creeps his kids out with all three of his picks, by the way. Let's find out. In his number two pick, Parker Posey and Josh Hamilton playing fraternal twins. Sounds creepy. Jackie and Marty Pascal with a spoiler alert. Uh, I won't even read this. Uh, well, I read it, but I won't read it to you guys. So I don't want to ruin this because now I'm curious what this movie is. Uh, he writes, I rented this indie movie. House of Dime? No, he doesn't say the name, so I hope you're right, Kelly Wan. Robert, you yes. didn't tell us the name. We're not your kids. You can't play these tricks on us. Uh, <laughs> he writes, I rented, I rented this indie movie at Blockbuster Video due to Posey being featured, featured prominently on the cover. Uh the reveal really blew my mind, as did the creepy details, uh, including Parker Posey having been born with her hand around her brother's. This is. I, I don't want to read this because it makes me want to see the movie. Kelly Wand, whatever movie he's talking about, you should see it. Sounds like it's. Uh, it would be right up your alley. I think it's House of Yes, um, and it's okay. <laughs> well, uh, Robert Perry Cruz and Robert, I'm Superman glad to hear returns. that you are not using those twins to creep your kids out because that might be beyond the pale. Robert Perry Cruz writes for his number one pick, Christian Bale in The Prestige. He then writes, Sorry, Dark Knight, but this is my favorite Christopher Nolan movie. Mostly due to the competitive relationship between Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale and the lengths that each one will go to in outperforming the other. Bale's twin starts as one of the movie's twists, the idea being the two of them are so devoted to their craft they were willing to live their adult lives pretending to be a single man in order to maintain belief in their trick. Uh, now, Chris Markinson writes, number three, adaptation. Fictional twins, Charlie and Donald Kaufman, are not only the stars of the movie, but Charlie Kaufman also gave his fictional twin a writing credit. And I suspect Donald's the only fictional twin to ever receive an Academy Award nomination. (laughs) 
Uh, Chris's number two pick, the Skeleton Twins. Kristen Wiig and Bill Hader are excellent as fraternal twins who are both going through some tough times. I checked, and there's only a six-inch height difference between Wig and Hader, so I'm not sure if this pick is acceptable, he writes. Very nice, Chris. No cops on duty. Twins uh, are the same one. height. Pardon? Twins are the same height. No, it's a joke from Bone Tomahawk. Oh, oh, oh right, right, right. Uh, Chris Markinson's number one pick, The Prestige. The reveal that Alfred Borden is, in fact, an identity that has been assumed by twins, Alfred and Frederick, totally caught me off guard. The commitment allows the twins to pull off their trick but requires a heavy commitment uh, so that when one twin loses, well, including basically doing a Gwyneth Paltrow, we'll call it. Uh, mm. uh, very good. So uh, runners up, gentlemen. I already mentioned Jack and Jill, which I watched this week to see if there were, if Adam Sandler's twins were worthy of portrayal. And I'm, I'm stunned that nobody brought up Luke and Leia. I actually wrote that. I wrote Star uh, Wars in parentheses, are Luke and Leia twins? I wasn't yeah. sure. Okay. Uh, here's another one, a question. Are Mary and Pitt yeah, they're twins? Sister, you have oh. a twin sister. Plus, we saw them born. Uh, Mary and Pippin are cousins or something, aren't they? Oh. It's because Brandy Buck and Peregrine Took, they have different last names. Ah, uh, nerd, you know. <laughs> Frodo's in his tweens. Uh, um, Linda Hamilton's twin sister is in Terminator 2. Ah, very good, Tom. They used her as a, as a body double for a scene where the T-800 is pretending to be her. And they actually brought her on the set and were like, here, you pretend to be Sarah Connor. We're going to you know, have you as an actress for this day. Weekend at Bernie's uh, did not have twins. Neither did Raising Kane. And I, for some reason, remembered that as being a movie about twins. With about ah, very good. Yeah. So I think it didn't have twins because I wondered about that. What? Uh, uh, so are you – okay, yeah, I thought it was twins as well, but that's not what's going on? No, it's it's this whole weird split personalities movie. Oh, where, okay. Where like the 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 father who everybody thinks is dead has been harvesting kids, and the the and he's uh, he's writing about split personalities, and he's abused his son, who's John Lithgow, who has all these split personalities and plays different, uh, you know, plays these different personalities as if you know they're different characters. Um, so I, it, it's not. I I really I wrote that down. I think oh maybe that because I I, I remember kind of liking that movie more than I should have, uh, just because I like Jen Lothgow so much. Well, you know what Brian De Palma movie before that does have twins? No. What? Oh, he did a movie uh, a few years before. I think this would have been 73. Oh, The Fury. Oh, you're right, Kelly Wan, but even before The Fury. So I guess you guys have not seen a movie with Margot Kidder called Sisters. Mm -mm. <laughs> uh, why, are you, why are you laughing, Kelly Wan? That it wasn't The Fury. You were like, you're that, ah, come on, Kelly. No, no, you're right. No, the theory is good. You're, you're absolutely right. It's just like Escape to Witch Mountain, like twins with powers. But uh, in, in Sisters, I think, I'm almost sure it predated the Fury. That, yeah. It's probably, what year would the Fury have uh, been? Uh, 78, I think. Okay, yeah, so Sisters, right I'm pretty sure it's 73, or maybe even 71. But Sisters is super early. Like, like Sisters, you watch Sisters, um, some of it's terrible. But there's a scene in Sisters that even now holds up. And if you watch Sisters, you... I mean, you think, yes, this guy's going to be brilliant. Uh, it's a, it's, it's sort of billed as a Hitchcockian thriller. Um, and, and Margot Kidder, by the way, is awesome in it. Like, you you oh. sort of associate – she's had – there's like a bipolar episode she had like 10 years ago or something, and she's kind right. of famous for that, unfortunately. Uh, but she plays uh, this super hot – I mean, she's like really young and cute, but this, this really young, cute, French-accented chick who – 
uh, hooks up with the dude early on in the movie. Yeah, she's got a French accent throughout it. And it's never – I kept thinking, oh, they're going to drop it. It's going to be a, a put on. But nope. She plays a Quebecois, super super French woman whose second language is obviously English, and there's all these cute little malapropisms. Um, wow. The, at the beginning of the movie, she hooks up with a dude, uh, this black guy that she is has met at work, and they don't really know each other. He's totally into her. Uh, they go back to her place, have a one-night stand. In the morning – he hears her arguing with someone in the other room, and she comes back in, uh, and there's something weird and flaky about her, too. And she comes back in, and he says, oh, there's someone else here? What was that? And she's like, yeah, it's my twin sister. Uh, we just don't get along, and she's staying with me. It's our birthday today. And the black guy's go, oh, could I meet her? And she's like, no, I'd really rather you not. Uh, you should go. And he's like, no, let me stay. I'm going to go get us breakfast and come back. He leaves, gets breakfast. He gets a birthday cake made. That says, happy birthday, and he writes both of their names on it. One's Dominique, one's Danielle. Uh, he brings the cake back, and she's in bed with the sheets over her. Like, obviously, she's gone back to sleep. He brings the cake up to her, and this becomes an amazing murder sequence, uh, which blows my mind. I rewatched Sisters this week. I still think the murder sequence in, in, in uh, Sisters has got to be one of the finest things that De Palma has ever done. Kelly, oh, I'm surprised you don't know this. Yeah, I haven't seen it. There's a single shot actually in it. Uh, I don't know why it's not famous, but the composition of just this one shot, like where a knife goes, where the body is, Margot Kidder is doing this really weird thing that made me wonder, did they shoot this with the actors moving backwards and then reverse the film so it looks like they're moving forward? No, it's nothing like that. It's just Margot Kidder really doing some weird, crazy stuff. And just the composition of this one shot, and you'll know it if you see it, by the way. but anyway, unfortunately, Sisters ends up uh, – it does this psycho thing where we then switch protagonists uh, mm-hmm. because through the window, uh, her neighbor has seen the the murder victim as he's wow. dying. He's trying to write him blood on the window, and then the rest of the movie is about the neighbor investigating, uh, and the neighbor is nowhere near as, as compelling as, as what's going on with, with uh, Margot. Mm. Uh, it's like he likes Hitchcock, so then he just takes – he just mashes them up. Well, they, so here's the thing, Kelly Wan. The reason it's not really uh, – I, I feel in a way it has more in common with like a slasher movie. Like like it is really gory, the murder scene. Hitchcock would never have been able to get away with something like this. Like Psycho was, right. I'm sure, very bold at the time. But there's a really gruesome – like there's yeah. really gruesome stuff that, that he implies and also kind of shows in a, in a pretty clever way. Uh, with the murder, um, the Palma is slasher movie meets Hitchcock. Exactly, like, Kelly Wan. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, see that in this murder. Brand. Yeah. yeah, and with the whole birthday cake in there and stuff. Yeah, it's it's a great scene. But anyway, the point ends up being that Margot Twitter, uh, Margot Twitter, Margot Twitter <laughs> had a twin, uh, and they were they were Siamese twins who got separated, uh, and that uh, her her sister is supposedly uh, doing the murders, and she's the good girl. Uh, and the sister resents her hooking up with any dudes. Mm. Um, so yeah, uh, except for the second, except for the the shift in the protagonist, like sisters is really awesome. And Margot Kidder, man, I just can't believe how adorable she is in this. Oh. I, I once asked the wrong twin out. Oh, ouch! Yeah. Well, awkward. Yeah, it was very. I wonder awkward. if that happens a lot to them. Probably used to it, Dingus. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's, it's really embarrassing when you're in a new school. Uh, in it's high school, and it's the first time you've asked a girl out at this school, um, and you ask out the wrong one, and she's like, "Oh, 
and, you, and you're standing there, like, kind of, you know, talking, like, you, you know, just, like, flirtatiously talking, and she goes, yeah, you're thinking about my sister. I'm also, sure that, yeah, they've got, to, they've got to get that all the time. Yeah. I'm sure, but it was devastating at the time. No, then you go, no, no, I'm talking about you, and you just go, I'm going to cover this up. Yeah, just, just see it through, Dingus, just... Commitment. No, she, she was not going to give the, the, that one was not going to give me the time of day for several years. Yeah. Hmm. So you're hitting on the one in your league. <laughs> Kelly Wan, do you know a movie called A Z and Two Knots, an early Peter Greenaway movie? No, why don't you hum a few bars? <laughs> okay. What about if I hum this? It's about twins who study rotting animals and they have a threesome with a one legged woman. Like, oh, yeah, that movie. I didn't know how to title. <laughs> Wait, there's three legs, two twins, one animal. How she many? actually ends up losing the leg. Uh, uh, so it's like... Um, you're pulling my leg. Uh, if, it's, 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 if you know Cheryl Peter Greenaway, you sort of know what to expect. Yeah. It's just wacky stuff. Uh, Boxing Helena. It's like that. Huh? Do you guys Have you guys ever seen Start the Revolution Without Me? No, the Peter Sellers movie? I don't know it. All right. Start the Revolution Without Me is this is this Bud Yorka movie that has Gene Wilder and Donald Sutherland in it. And they play uh, – this is almost made my list. Um, it was really hard not to choose it because I have really warm feelings about this movie. It's just so silly. Uh, and they play uh, two sets of twins, um, uh, Gene Wilder and Donald Sutherland, that are switched at birth. And, and it's this, uh, I think it's set in, uh, in, uh, like before the French Revolution or around the French Revolution. Um, and the, the twins, the twins are switched to birth. And one of them is this, like, part of the aristocracy. And the other is poor and stupid. And just hilarity ensues as the, as the two sets of twins have to interact. Uh, it's just this really goofy, goofy, uh, movie, but it, it's got a couple of really, Goofy, fun, funny, hilarious sequences that I, because I remember seeing it on VHS when I was in college, but there's no way I could see it again right now, so I, I couldn't really be sure to pick it, but I, I thought somebody might pick Start of the Revolution without me. Things you can see Jack and Jill, that's available now. Oh, well, uh, Tom, tell us your story. <laughs> there's, I mean, it's as horrible as you might imagine. There's actually two really good reasons to see Jack and Jill. They're not Adam Sandler, by the way. Uh, when it opens, and when it ends, uh, I don't know why they chose to do this because we're about to see a really crappy movie and why lead with this. But it does interviews. It has twins come in. They obviously like to set up a backdrop somewhere. What? They filmed them. Yeah, Various twins that. come in and they just talk about what it's like being twins. And <laughs> they just That's show the highlights the of that. Yeah. Yeah, of just actual twins, and they're so. I mean, they carefully. This is what Harry met Sally. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like Harry met Sally. Right, exactly. Right, like interviews, and and they obviously picked people who are charismatic. They they edited their funny stories, and uh-huh. and then at the end, they just showed them all admitting they love each other and hugging, and it was just so like heartfelt and honest, and and uh, you know, if you could just watch that part, it would be great because the rest of it, it, you know, I guess it's, it, it's just so no one in this movie is even trying not. I mean, the writers, not Adam Sandler. I'm guessing that he did this movie just because a lot of it takes place on a cruise ship, and he just wanted to just oh, laze around on a cruise ship. Uh, whatever Sandler Toady was pressed into service to direct it isn't even trying. It's just so lazy. And Movies on a cruise ship are never good unless it turns upside down. Uh, Juggernaut. Oh, okay. No. It doesn't turn upside down. It's got bombs on it. 
Uh, but the whole joke in Twins, and you would know this if you'd seen the trailer, which I had, uh, mm-hmm. is that Al Pacino plays Al Pacino, and the male Adam Sandler twin is an ad executive who wants to convince Al Pacino to do a commercial. The female Adam Sandler just tags along when they meet, and Al Pacino falls totally in love with the female uh, uh, Adam Sandler. He's so infatuated with her. He thinks she's so hot. Like He takes her on a helicopter date at one point to a castle, um, and she's just like, I don't even know who you are. She like doesn't know his movies. Uh, uh, so it's like, <laughs> who is it? Is it Charles Durning who falls in love with Tootsie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That made more sense than this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that you right. could maybe, yeah, this is just, it's just Al Pacino having to pretend he's infatuated with Adam Sandler in right. drag, basically. He's not acting, but he is acting. <laughs> well, even at, Al Pacino doesn't really cool. seem to be trying. I mean, it's just so lazy all around. And it ends uh, before we get to, is this after? Yes, I can see that premise working if it wasn't what I know it is. Well, it, like here's a joke. Here's what here's what this movie thinks is funny. And Dingus, you remember you and I, I. So so Dingus at one point when I was sick came to pick me up at the hospital, and I had to sit and wait at the hospital. We had nothing to do before they would discharge me to make sure I was okay. So Dingus and I were just sitting there killing time. I turn on the TV. Grown Ups Two is on. <laughs> and we had both sort of laughed at how stupid the trailer was. And so I'm thinking, yeah, let's watch Grown Ups 2. This will be funny. It was painfully unfunny. Do you remember that, Dingus? Oh, yeah. Like I, bringing up. I just could not believe how unfunny this was and how nobody was trying. And this is cut from the same cloth. So here's a joke from uh, Jack and Jill. Uh, Adam Sandler's character, who, by the way, and I don't know who made this choice, he's like a rich dude with a mansion and really nice cars and a fancy pool. Like, like why would you make that your main character so that nobody can identify yeah. him? Like, he's definitely not an everyman. And I don't know if this is Adam Sandler thinking, oh, yeah, everybody's like this. Uh, it makes no sense. But he's super rich, and he's got a daughter and an, and a, and an Indian boy as an adopted son. Uh. They don't explain this. He's just there. <laughs> uh, the Indian boy, and here's the joke. He likes to tape stuff to himself. So at one point, that's kind of good, actually. No, it's not. Okay, Kelly, when you watch this, at one point he just like tapes a pepper shaker to himself. At another point, he like tapes a a CG frog that's wiggling around to himself. He's just taping things to himself, and that's they think that's funny. No explanation, nothing to it. It's just hey, this is this kid's trait. He tapes things to himself because he's Indian, and he's an Indian boy. Yeah, he's a little Indian boy. Uh, It's I don't. Yeah, I do want to see. I need to see the execution before I make a. Final. All right, well, Kelly, well, I challenge. I am intrigued by the taping of stuff on yourself. All right, well, we'll watch Jack and Jill. And, and by the way, if you make it through to the end, you will be treated to a musical number of Al Pacino shilling for Dunkin' Donuts. No lie, he sings and dances <laughs> for Al for Dunkin' Donuts. This new cappuccino drink because you oh. know Al Pacino sounds Why like. Why would that? <sighs> Truly painful. Awful. Nothing sounds good except the tape. Just how to be clear. Oh, well, Kelly, how do you feel about David Spade in drag? Never. For I don't no like drag reason. Too. Just because he's just in drag, like you're not okay with that because it happens in the movie. You don't want to see he's David Spade not. playing a chick. All right. He's mostly girl already. But drag's never funny. I never understood. I don't understand why that's supposed to be funny. Well, it's not funny a, when you're. It's not funny when like you're smug and acknowledging that it's funny. And, and it's, that, like, that's always true, though. People they always do that. They did that fucking some like it hot. Except for Jack Lemmon, he seemed to kind of get into wearing a dress. But like Tony Curtis isn't like. 
Never mind. Why am I talking about this? Sorry. Why would you sully that movie by bringing it up in, in the context of Jack and Jill, Kelly Wand? What's the matter? Just because maybe I'm not qualified to critique drag premises. Oh, you know what? See Jack and Jill and then let me know. Let me know if the tape scene works for you. Let me know how hot you think David Spader is as a woman. Just keep me... Well, and also how hot Adam Sandler is supposed to be as a woman because Al Pacino is playing himself and we're supposed to believe that he'd be sexually attracted to Adam Sandler. Well, do you want to know how Adam Sandler plays a woman? And you can guess... He just puts on a wig and talks in a right. funny voice. Scream. Well, yeah, that's what yeah. yeah, I've seen the yeah. trailer. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like, that's that's Adam Sandler. Like the premise, like on paper, I go, okay, maybe yeah, it'd be a funny comic bit if they stole from Tootsie. But it's like right. having seen how Adam Sandler plays Jill, I don't know why. <laughs> how would you feel, Kelly Wand, about part, near the end of the movie, this is a spoiler, but Adam Sandler, the dude Adam Sandler, has to dress up as his twin female sister and try to convince Al Pacino he is her. See how meta that gets? Like how that's right up there with anything Charlie Kaufman could do. Like that chick did to Dingus and well, <laughs> that Annie Torrance was teaching. Dingus, give us a three by three for next week. All right, these are your favorite watches or uh, clocks. Uh, now we've done um, something that was uh, <laughs> countdown timers. These are not you can't use anything that would be a countdown timer for bomber and any other sort of countdown timer. Um, I, I happen to love watches. I, I I key on them when I see them in movies, and I, I love clock faces as well. Um, so these are just your favorite watches and clocks in movies. Kelly Wan, do you have any questions? Uh, can it be used? Can the clock be part of a bomb that, like, they used a clock as the timer? No. Like, oh, I, just, okay. I just said no to that. Yeah, no. I know. Just wanted to make sure I heard you correctly. What if it's just on the bomb to remind the people what time it is? What about a sundial? No, and let me just make it clear a watch is not somebody that you ask. If you, if you ask somebody what time it is, they are not a watch. It has to actually be a watch or a clock. You can't just say to, to a Digital. police officer, hey, what time is it? And if the police officer says it's 7 o'clock, he is not a watch. I'm just making that clear. I can do that if I want. Just yeah, so I know you're going to try that. What year? Hang on. A person is not a watch. I know one that I wouldn't be able to pick then. And that Well, you know what? Never mind. I'm going to say for the, the three-by-three. <laughs> awesome. I'm so, I'm so happy about that. Uh, Dingus, what if the listeners have some ideas for clocks and watches? Then they should write into three by three at quarter to three dot com, and that is spelled three x three at. You spell it out like words. Quarter to three dot com. And Kelly Wand, what movie are we seeing next week? We're seeing the motion picture Grampus. <laughs> Close, Krampus. Krampus. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this. So it's the guy that did uh, a Halloween themed horror anthology called Trick or Treat. Now, this is a Christmas-themed horror movie. It's not an anthology. Uh, great cast. Other than that, I don't know much about it. We'll see that next week. So check out Krampus and join us for that, as well as our 3 by 3 of Clocks and Watches. Hmm. I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian Mimsky. It's Christian Morosky. Um, That's not the way I see it written here. Uh, okay, and we have Kelly Wand. I'm me, but less... <laughs> I love you, you love me We're a happy family With a great big And a kiss from me to you Won't you say you love me too I love you, Paul you learn me where
famous family oh with a gravy because had a kiss with me to you or say you love me too the dwarf from Twin Peaks man Tom sure was good on West Wing move along Leaf move along can the boy tell time? Oh, my Lord, no. <laughs> no. Um, uh, hey, why can't you hear a pterodactyl? He's in the bathroom, because the pee is silent. <laughs>